Okay, we're back, man. Very exciting, wonderful news. 33 years in prison coming up for all the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Trump's militias. So, um, as you know, leading an insurrection. Uh, everybody, drop what you're doing right now. Make a phone call. 202-514-2000. Demand Justice Department. Immediately disqualifies them all. Removes them. Charges them. And also abolish the Electoral College. We're fucked. We've already had two or three. I think there's three elections stolen so far by the Electoral College. The, uh... Um... Gore versus Bush, and then Trump versus Hillary. Hillary won by three million fucking votes. In fact, I'm going to, uh, going to, um, tweet that. Let's nip this shit in the bud. No more... No mas. No mas. Bitches. <laughs> Better abolished. Electoral College before. Before. 2024 elections. Reminder. Colon. Several of our, several elections Several elections already stolen. By the Electoral College before. Gore v. Bush. Um, there's another one too. There's a third. What's the third? Pop quiz, what's the third? Pop quiz. Young Dems, Young Dems, 
third. What's the third? Up quest for the young Dems. Better abolish the electoral college. Better abolish the electoral college before before 2024 elections. Reminder: several elections stolen from us before. E.G. Gorby Bush. Remember when Hillary won popular vote, the popular vote over Trump by three million votes? Pop quiz for young Dems. Trying to engage. What was the third? Can you think of third of third example? Pop quiz. Huh. One little picture of Faya. Looks like an owl. Rides. The last fashion of scoundrels. Thoughts and prayers, bitches. <laughs> Lardo. Okay. Just wanted to let you on with some extremely wonderful news that old Diaper Donald is panicked in many public appearances. Ah, we need to boo and laugh him off the national stage. Kudos. Thanks to that person who said we can't put two words together. And I'd like to chastise the Department of Justice since nobody else seems to be doing Hi, I'm Christopher Press, by the way. I'm the only presidential candidate calling for the mass expulsion of and disqualification of 160-plus GOP trade tests in the Congress, who should not be there in the first place. They shouldn't have been sworn in. But in that, the Congress just rolled over and played dead as usual. But so did the American public. At any moment, you can make some free phone calls to save your own democracy. The number one concern for Americans is our democracy. According to polls, number one concern, our democracy. So why don't you do like JFK said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. All right, a beautiful, all Jerusalem. You can't put the words together, so I understood, too. Put the words together, so I understood, too. Turn down, 
<laughs> the last witch hunter. Okay. 64% of Americans will not vote for Trump. Nah. Sweaty, scared, falling apart. Okay. No more stolen elections. Okay, before I tag him, I'm going to share Facebook. Ah oh, man. Darn. Oops, I should have tagged. Christopher Price, please go ahead and uh, follow me on. Follow me across to social media, Christopher Price. Okay, let's see Citizens for Ethics. Okay. Dems, Justice Dems, Midas Touch, Popoc, Occupied Democrats, Elizabeth Warren, DNC War Room, uh, Midas Touch Network, <clears throat> Bitches, No Lie with Brian Talico and Lincoln Project. Okay, that's a 10 person limit. Alright, there we go. Alright, a flood. Oh, one day ago. A flash flood watch for Western Pima County. Turn off the nation as well as parts of Santa Cruz County is in effect. Through Sunday evening. What is today? Monday. Oh no. Is that until next Sunday? What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> That's a good little meme right there. What the hell? Modest touch, everything we touch turns gold. Trumpy's got the reverse modest touch. Everything he touch turns to shit. Funny that uh, his dad apparently said publicly that he seemed to have a Midas, that his son, who he uh, propped up millions of dollars. Motherfucker had a billion dollars when he died. And uh, Trumpy got the lion's share, of course. The favorite son, you know, equally a sociopathic, a criminal, and a fucking racist. Hello? 
Fred Trump was in uh, was a uh, fucking Nazi. He was a Nazi, and um, he was arrested for rioting against New York Police Department. Police, the popos, in 1927. His name and address were published in the New York Times. Yeah, fuck you, New York Times. Not having a story about that. I pitched a story to the New York Times. Let me do it with David K. Johnston. Pulitzer Prize winning. And it can be some kind of uh, winner. And it can be uh, some kind of apology for not covering this when we were voting for president. 2016. Perjury Trader Green. These are other Midas Touch headlines. Perjury Trader Green did not get the welcome she thought she would at the Iowa Fair. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, what a fucking cunt. Let's uh, steal from Trump. That's how he says it. Traitors. Trusted for press, Trump for prison. Said, yeah, what a fucking cunt. Perjury trader green, green is. She and the rest of the GOP traders should have been locked up 2.5 years ago. And everybody do your patriotic duty and make a free fucking phone call. Get off your couch, America. 202-514-2000. Trusted for press, Trump for prison. USA, USA, be a cheerleader for democracy. I'm your cheerleader for democracy. Yeah, when I was a, when I was a wee lass. Oh my gosh. Look how cute. Oh, I got a friend. Iowa State Fair attendee photobombs middle finger at perjury trader green. Uh, 
After all the excitement of the MAGA rights surrounding Trump's arrival at the Iowa State for potential VP candidate, Marjorie Trader Green took a trip herself. Boyfriend Brian Glenn posted photos to his Instagram stories of the trip. One photo showed a woman at the fair photobombing Mar Mar Perjury Trader Green with the middle finger. Nah, nah. What a burn. Fucking cunt. She's the she's the bomber. It's clearly her on the surveillance camera. You must have seen it. The picture of her on surveillance carrying a bag. That's she's the suspect. Why wasn't she investigated? Go right now find you know Google Google uh Google that. Person in the same same build, same stance, same shoes. Same um, uh, way of holding things in her hands. Uh, wearing a hoodie. Hold on camera entering the Capitol. And uh, that is the suspect for the person who planted pipe bombs at Congress. Why wasn't she fucking ever investigated for that? Maybe I should tweet about that too. First, I'm gonna change my Facebook thing so I can do it. I mean, I don't wanna. I don't wanna post anything but cute stuff on Reiki Southwest Gardens Nursery and Hatchery. So, I got me some cute ass birds. Anybody in the continental USA? Want a gorgeous, adorable mini chicken. Having a great deal right now. They're uh, 100s for, uh, I'm gonna be posting, doing a little spotlight every day. Like whichever one kind of ambles into my room. They must be ready for a, a new loving owner. I can't, unfortunately, I can't love on them all myself. But, but, I am willing to part with them for a very good price, especially getting started. I have a small little crop of mini chickens. They're a cross between several species for their smallness of size and for their beautiful colors and tameness make perfect pets very easy to take care of um, just need a little water and they're they're so small even with the crop it's just like a speck of dust just pick it up with the rest of the you know, it, you know, if you if you want them, it, you know, if you put them, uh, yeah, let them roam around. I let them roam around a little bit every day, at least once in the house. But you know, like a you know, try to keep the herds to a minimum. So yeah, they they get to uh, they get to walk around and but they 
Um, and they, right now, they're back in their, uh, most of them are back in the cage, uh, the cages. They have breakfast, and then a brunch snack. Um, they get, uh, very, very, very sweet, loving friends. Beautiful to look at. Cute, adorable fucking crawl on a rooster. If you have positive... You grew up around chickens or whatever. It's very, uh, it's very wonderful. To be woken up. That's why. That's why I have a abuelita, a bandmate, and his mom. Uh, she's a hundred. She's gonna be a hundred and one, pretty soon. It's awesome. And um, part of it is being around. In a pleasant environment, chickens, Carlos Yang Yang. Who's that? Oops, I forgot to mention that. Um, rides, 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 rides. Dark modes. What is dark mode? Okay, so I have most friends on Trista DJ on Facebook. And so let's go back to these awesome news. Okay. Cult behavior 101 Trump threatening judges is part of coordinated cult behavior. Nine minutes ago. Racketeering. It's all part of the racketeering effect. Try national debt relief as seen on the Wall Street Journal podcast. No ads, man. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network, and I am joined by Steve Hassan, author of The Cult of Trump. Steve Hassan, PhD, is an expert deprogramming. That's what he studied in connection with his PhD. He goes around, gives lectures on cult deprogramming. He himself uh, has a history inextricably linked to cult deprogramming. He was in a cult many, many, many years ago got out of it and based on that journey became a PhD and now teaches people about cult behavior, how to get out of cults and how to identify cult behavior, among other things. So I want to have a continuing series here on the Midas Touch Network on our YouTube channel where we identify, we talk about the cult behavior taking place in MAGA, within the Republican Party, which frankly looks a lot more like a cult today than a functional political party. And the first topic I really want to discuss, Steve, is these threats that Donald Trump is making in connection with all of these cases. We see this witness intimidation over and over again. We see Donald Trump spreading these messages on his uh, social media. And the messages, as they did in January 6th, are reaching 
the intended audience, a radicalized group of people Why who I believe in the whole recognize this. And we're seeing, for example, you know, just the other day, um, someone was arrested for threatening the life of Judge Chutkin, the federal judge in Washington, D.C. A month ago, we reported how somebody showed up with weapons in front of Barack Biden. Obama's home in Washington, D.C. These stories are happening with a great degree of frequency um, in Utah. Somebody was, you know, the, the FBI um, uh, had, had to intervene. The person was shot and killed, killed because after threatening the lives of FBI officials. So what's going on here? And should we be viewing this, Dr. Hassan, through the prism of cult behavior? Yes. Uh, very briefly, so... Then, basically, I was recruited into the Moonies cult in 1974. They tried, but they couldn't get me. Patty Hearst was abducted by the Symbionese Liberation Army, I might add. I don't think. And became radicalized to become a right-wing fascist who believed that democracy was satanic, that we had to infiltrate the government. I actually was sent to fast for three days for Richard Nixon, who I hated before the Moonies cult indoctrination. And there I am saying, God wants Nixon to be president despite Watergate. And now we're literally 50 years later, the same right-wing, extremist, religious, Christian-esque people uh, have infiltrated politics and are using their followers. So to answer your question briefly, I think I have an influence continuum. In fact, my podcast is that name, and it's on the Midas Touch Network. Thank you so much, uh, my Celeste brothers. Um, and so if you think about inf- influence on a continuum, there's ethical influence and healthy groups, and all the way over to the destructive end of authoritarianism. And I define this authoritarian mind control, cultism, as controlling people's behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions to create a new identity that's dependent and obedient on the leadership and the ideology. So speaking as a mental health professional, I'm a licensed health counselor, what we have is a dissociative disorder and like I went from Steve Hassan, the nice middle-class Jewish boy, to a right-wing fascist who thought the Holocaust was justified, when I had my near-fatal van crash and was deprogrammed and understand that we were doing Chinese communist brainwashing techniques were used on me, and I was doing it on other people, that changed my entire direction of my life. And so... Using that as a prism, when I was asked to write The Cult of Trump, I knew Trump was a malignant narcissist, which is the stereotypical profile of all destructive cult leaders. But what I didn't know until I got into researching the book was that The Cult of Trump was comprised by authoritarian cults who were telling their followers largely that God is using Donald Trump and that Biden and the Democrats are all satanic and even trafficking babies and children, etc. So that's a short answer to your question, but I'm happy to keep going. The cult behavior in many ways is also used, I think, to distract from the fact that on policy, 
people are doing things against their own interest a lot of the times in the MAGA Republican side. If you put a lot of issues before the American people as a yes or no referendum, what do we feel about responsible gun ownership? We think there should be responsible gun ownership. I think overwhelmingly people say yes. You talk about climate change. Should we be reflective of making sure that uh, we address climate change in a responsible way? Overwhelmingly, yes. Do we think women should have the right to control their bodies, or do we want the government to make these arbitrary and destructive and dangerous decisions uh, for them? I think overwhelmingly people say, yes, women should be able to control their own bodies. Jobs, should we improve people's working conditions, or should we make people have more terrible working conditions so that billionaires can have a third or fourth or a fifth private jet? What do you think? People say, yes, we want to have better working conditions. So the cult prism, the influence continuum, right, Dr. Hassan, is to influence people to go against their own interests in furtherance of the cult leader and the cult ideology. So you're not even thinking, wow, this actually is harming me. Right. So again, I there was Steve Hassan from Flushing, Queens, grew up 1.3 miles from Donald Trump, by the way, in my childhood. Uh, and then this cult identity took over. So he believed the Holocaust was necessary because the Jews didn't, you know, uh, accept Jesus. But Steve was educated as a Jew about the Holocaust. And, and, uh, but there was a disconnect. Why? Because my cult, think, Ben, think about malware infecting your computer and taking over your operating system. That's what we're dealing with. Mind hacks. Where information that's critical against the leader, the doctrine, or the policy is rejected, thought-stopping is used, so that, and loaded language is used, fake news, you know, or the, the Dems are satanic, so that a, somebody in this mindset can't go back in time and go, actually, what are my values and what do I want? Would I actually enter into a business relationship with a pathological liar for my business? No. But they're not connecting the dots because their mind was hacked. And I'll add that fear, or what I call indoctrinated phobias, are a major technique that's installed in these people's minds so that it subverts our critical thinking faculties. We're reactive. So people don't like everything about Trump, but they're fearful of Satan invading the planet and taking over. Therefore, it's, it's, it's this devil fear that is subverting their critical faculties and ability to make good judgments. You know, on a future edition, I really want to get into, uh, talk about it in another video, the links between cult behavior, cults, including the one that you got out of, the Moonies, and actual Republican politics. People don't know this, but, I mean, some people know this, but not a lot of people know that. For example, the Moonies is, has ownership over 
perhaps the most influential Republican newspaper, one of them, the Washington Times, and there are direct links there. We'll do a whole other video where we cover that, but I want to get to the final point here before we have to go, which is the threats, though, and how these threats by Trump directed at the judges, the prosecutors, whoever the person is of the day, how does that reinforce cult behavior when a cult leader directs it at a common enemy? Does that reinforce the uh, within the influence continuum? Unfortunately, the... yes. And as we saw in January 6th, and what we're hearing now is this, we need to be violent for God. We need to take our country back from the evil people. And so he's, the rhetoric is there of violence, very typical. Like I ended the cult of Trump book saying, if Trump doesn't win the 2020 election, let's assume there'll be violence. And then I quoted Jim Jones. People forget Congressman Leo Ryan went to Guyana to rescue people who wanted to leave the compound. And what did Jim Jones do? He assassinated the congressman and had all of his, his uh, people take cyanide lace flavor aid with threat of gunfire, and he took everyone with them. So my biggest fear is my former cult has two training compounds for AR-15s and a gun cult in Texas and uh, in Waco, Texas and in Tennessee. And my fear is that this radicalization is bringing us back to the brown shirts of Hitler. And we need to really understand that all of those millions of AR-15s that are everywhere have been stockpiled for civil war by our enemies. Russia wants us to not be a United States. They want to split us as the Soviet Union fell apart and split. And, and Putin is trying to put it all back together again. Well, this series is going to be focused on how we combat mind control, how people who may have family members who are in this MAGA cult, how you speak to them, how you talk to them. We'll, we'll do even on future episodes kind of a role-playing to show right, how you have these conversations and um, I think these are important conversations to have. I think we're framing these issues appropriately. I look forward to doing more of this with you. Dr. Hassan, as he mentioned, he's got the podcast, The Influence Continuum, right here on the Midas Touch Network. He's the author of The Cult of Trump. We're going to be spending a lot more time together in the coming weeks and months in this continuing series. So thank you so much for your time. And everybody, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, and make sure you check out MidasTouch.com for all the latest breaking news. Have a great day. And thanks for all your good work. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at MidasTouch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.
Watch morning show highlights. fucking committed or um, yeah committed uh, and or convicted nah I'm Ben Mycella with each one of these indictments you saw that in this poll also historical is he the big board with the legacy what do you got yeah, this is an exciting new adventure for NBC. We've partnered with the Des Moines Register. The Des Moines Register does its polling with Ann Salzer. This is the absolute 
gold standard poll of the first in the nation caucus state. So we've seen all of these numbers about national polling in this Republican race. But as you say, it all starts in Iowa. And the theory of every candidate who's trying to beat Donald Trump is that they can win Iowa, get traction in Iowa, and take that slingshot to the next wave of primaries and nominations. The Iowa polling, we have been missing all summer high-quality Iowa polling. Well, right now, we've got the gold standards to unveil to you. This, again, from Ansells, are part of our partnership, a new one with the Des Moines Register. These are the numbers here. This is the bottom line in terms of asking likely caucus goers who they would support right now. Trump is well ahead, more than 2 to 1, 42%. Ron DeSantis, the only challenger in double digits. He's at 19%. Tim Scott, just under 10%. You see Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Go all the way down to Will Hurd at 1%. So Trump with that sizable lead here in Iowa. Looking inside the numbers a little bit, evangelical voters in particular. In 2016, remember, Donald Trump did not win evangelical voters in the Iowa caucuses in 2016. He didn't win the Iowa caucuses, in fact, in 2016. Ted Cruz did. But among evangelicals now in this poll, Trump is at 47%. Nearly 50% of evangelicals backing Donald Trump two-thirds, roughly, of all Iowa caucus goers in 2016 identified as evangelicals. This is a huge voting block in the Iowa caucuses. There's Trump at 47%. And by the way, there's Mike Pence, who has built his political career in large part on ties to evangelical Christians. He's at 6% with evangelicals. And his unfavorable rating, 51% with evangelical voters in Iowa. That's Pence, who obviously has taken his share of heat from Donald Trump over his actions on January 6th. Asking Iowa Republicans here, has Trump committed serious crimes? Only 26% believe so. 65%, nearly two-thirds say he's not committed serious crimes. Very interesting tidbit. This poll was conducted sort of between the news coming out of Georgia last week of the latest Trump indictment. The portion of the poll that was conducted before that news broke, had Donald Trump leading in Iowa over Ron DeSantis by 18 points. The portion of the poll that was conducted after the news of the latest indictment broke had Donald Trump's lead swelling to 25 points. So again, you do see that rally around Trump effect that seems to take hold with each one of these indictments. You saw that in this poll. Also, historically here, Trump leading by 23 points. The Des Moines Register poll is one that has a rich history going all the way back to the 1980s. These are Republicans at this point. These are Republican races at this point in the cycle. Who's had a lead comparable to Donald Trump's 23 points? Well, George W. Bush, back in the 2000 cycle, he led by 27 at this point. He ended up winning by 11. Bob Dole, they called him the president of Iowa for a while. In 96, he was up 46 points at this point. He won in 96, but only by three points in the caucuses. So there's an example where a big lead shrank dramatically. Uh, And then you do have some examples here of candidates who led at this point and ended up losing. Their leads weren't as big as Trump is right now. But if somebody is going to make a move and catch Trump in Iowa, who might that be? One way of looking at it is this. Ask about the favorable, unfavorable ratings of these different candidates. And I think a couple things are notable. DeSantis may be 23 points behind Trump, but DeSantis actually has the best margin here on favorable, unfavorable. 66% of Republicans 
in Iowa had a favorable view of DeSantis, 29 unfavorable. Trump's number is very strong. It's stronger than it was for Trump in 16, but DeSantis is a touch higher. Tim Scott, extremely popular too. Nikki Haley, popular as well. Notably, Chris Christie, who's going the hardest after Donald Trump, extremely negative. Mike Pence, 42-53 negative. So right now, if you're looking at somebody who might be able to make a run at Trump in Iowa, maybe, you know, it's most likely a DeSantis, it could be Scott, maybe a Nikki Haley. When we ask voters, in fact, to their second choices, it's spread out. DeSantis gets the highest second choice total, but Tim Scott's right there with 15% as well. Vivek Ramaswamy, by the way, at 12%. So the, the problem for DeSantis, not only is he 23 points behind, he's very well liked still by Republicans in Iowa, but right now it's not as if he is the default second choice of all of those voters in Iowa. And one other interesting number I think we can show you here, we just asked voters in Iowa, what's most important to you going with a candidate who's closest to your views or electability, a candidate who can beat Biden? And you see about two-thirds said closest to their views on the issues. Interesting split here. The one saying closest to their views on the issues, Trump with a massive lead there of 30 points. Those looking at electability, Trump leads, but DeSantis is within 10, Scott's in double digits. So the more the Iowa Republican uh, voters focus on that question uh, of electability, that's where Trump starts to uh, get into a closer contest here with his opponent. So, yes, overall, a very big lead for Donald Trump in Iowa, one that historically has portended uh, uh, good things for candidates in that position. But you do see rivals here in Iowa, notably DeSantis, notably Scott, to some degree Haley, who are still very well known and very well liked by Republicans. And we have more than half Republicans in this poll saying their minds not made up yet. That is fascinating. Unfortunately, look at that 96 drop by Bob Dole. I mean, wow, that was a precipitous drop. Also, Mitt Romney coming back um, from behind, a good bit from behind. Um, so, uh, Steve Caddy K has, has a question for you. But, Caddy, I just have to say, look at those numbers. He gets indicted uh, with 19 co conspirators and his RICO uh, charges. Uh, he's on tape uh, lying about, uh, you know, trying to, to rig the election. And you've got the Republican leaders of Georgia, the Republican leaders of Georgia, not left-wingers, the Republican leaders of Georgia telling voters he's a liar, uh, saying, no, the election wasn't rigged. They win in the Republican primary there in a landslide. But what happens in this poll? Again, facts don't matter. Again, we don't know what the definition, exact definition of a cult is. And that's for people other than us to determine whether this is, in fact, a cult. But my gosh, certainly... Uh, certainly it is bizarre that facts just don't matter, that actually his numbers go up after he's indicted in a multi-count criminal indictment to steal an election. And um, yeah, it's a feature of kind of populism, and it has been for the last decade or so, but has grown more so, that we are in an era of purist politics, uh, not pragmatic politics. And I thought it was so interesting, that question about, do you want somebody who shares your views? Is that more important to you? Or... Are you going to vote pragmatically and try and vote for somebody who actually could be elected and beat Joe Biden? And a two-thirds majority say, no, what matters to me is the purism of, of Donald Trump's what, he, what he's offering, the kind of the, the populism. And I think, you know, that's...
That's where the Iowa voters are at the moment. I, oh, yeah. I love the history, uh, Steve. Are we going to be 96 and see a kind of Bob Dole style lead? Yeah, it's fucking weird. Or is this going to be more like 2000 and see George W. Bush maintaining his lead better? I mean, that's super interesting. And I don't know, does the polling throw in all of those Democrats who might be sitting home on Iowa caucus night thinking, actually, you know what, I'm kind of bored. I miss the civic tradition of going to the caucuses. I'm going to go along and muddy the waters and vote for some Republican that I like. I, have we seen any indication of whether that might happen and how many Democrats might turn out and vote, vote in the Republican caucuses? Well, we, the one thing that we did look at, and I don't have the graph to show you here, but independence, we did ask about independence potentially uh, deciding to participate in the, uh, in, in the caucuses, and that's actually where both Trump and DeSantis did the worst. It's just a very small share of the overall pie there. But yeah, when you start broadening it out to independence, um, that, again, it gets to the, 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 you find it more likely for voters to say they have concerns about Trump and electability, Trump and committing crimes, those, those sorts of things. So, and again, it's interesting, too, you saw that briefly in the polling coming out of the November midterm. It seems like ancient August history 21st. now. But there was all sorts of polling, some national, some state level, in December of last year, January, February this year, where Trump's lead... It, again, national state level was not that massive. It's actually grown since February or March of this year, really since those indictments began. Remember, the first indictment came in New York City in Manhattan. That was the first of this wave. And if you had a trend line here, I could show you, but Trump's lead has just grown since that first indictment. So it was almost like there was a rally around Trump effect that was kind of kicked in there. And yet, just wait until he's convicted. Yeah, remember man. that 96 one? It was actually Pat Buchanan who well, came in qualified. second place there, just three points mm -hmm. behind Bob Dole. Uh, and then Buchanan went on and won New Hampshire a week later. Again, that's the theory of any of these candidates running against Trump. It's that Iowa's the kind of state where retail politics still works, where you could spend months doing events with 50, 100, 200 people. You can build support that way, and if you can win Iowa, you can roll it into the subsequent states. I think the question here, again, is you look at how well-liked DeSantis is, how well-liked Scott is, to some degree how well-liked Haley is. Can one of them consolidate support? in the next few months, and that might get to what's at stake in this debate coming up this week. Can one of them consolidate support, move up within striking distance of Trump in Iowa, and really try to make it effectively a two-person race there? Because if that's the case, you can start to see in these numbers a scenario where it could get interesting. Now, we're following new polling that shows Donald Trump's hold over the Republican base is as strong as ever. In the latest CBS News YouGov survey, the former president has 62% of support from likely GOP primate voters, 46% clear of his closest challenger. And among those likely Trump voters, the poll shows they trust the former president even more than their own loved ones. Let's put a framework on that. They trust the former president more than they trust their own loved ones. 71% say they feel what Trump tells them is the truth. Ahead of friends and family at 63%. Conservative media figures at 56%. Uh, and sad. a religious leader at 42%. No, you Oh my god. This campaign hammock is everything.
fuck? This can't be hammered just everything up and looking here. It keeps out mosquitoes. It has a comfortable mm. fabric that feels like you're lying on the ground. And won't roll over, no matter how it's positioned, making it a safe choice for beginners. The fabric huh. is strong and breathable, easily accommodating to people. When folded up, it's only this big. And it comes in a variety of colors, making it a great choice for everyone. Don't miss out on Timo's Low Price Challenge. Click this video and get yours for only $2.04. That's fucking insane. Wow. Pretty good deal. I know his teammates been having a lot of stuff. I just saw this lady with a cute dress on. And um she said she got it from Timo. It's kinda like a southwestern. Yeah, it won't let me leave this fucking ad. Oh jeez. What the hell? What the hell happened? Ugh. Trump to turn himself into Georgia authorities. Here's how DA finally realized can give Trump a speedy trial. Um, I have to give somebody some breakfast, so... I made some uh, Mexican foods with uh, avocado and lettuce and uh, lime squeezed on top. Bye! Hi there, welcome back. I guess we were shoved off. They don't want you to hear this. So listen up. Okay, this is what I just wrote. This is exactly why we need to charge them with capital offenses, treason and terrorism. Then he will not only STFU, which stands for shut the fuck up, he will stop making death threats against others, because then he would know what a death threat feels like. Christopher Perez, Trump for prison. Uh, laid out pretty clearly the terms of Trump's release, which included him not committing any more... This is a prosecutor warns Trump about prison sentence one hour ago. State and local crimes immediately. Let's pull out. House of Let's Representatives. Pull out. Now we've got former federal prosecutor and candidate for California's 41st congressional district, awesome. Will Rollins. Well, thanks for Will coming Rollins. back on. Thanks for having me, Brian. Wonder if he's Henry so Rollins, you actually his helped brother. prosecute one of the January 6th insurrectionists. So let's start with the DC indictment since that's related. What do you think of Jack Smith's decision to only indict Donald Trump in this case? Well, I think it was a smart decision for speeding up the process, no doubt. Um, and I think for me, thinking back about my own experience, what I what I remember in the wake of January 6th is like a lot of Americans sitting at home, watching TV, seeing the images of the U.S. Capitol breached, seeing the image of guns drawn on the floor of the House of Representatives, being in complete shock for a period of days afterwards. And then in my case at the time, starting to get calls from the FBI and our colleagues in Washington, D.C., who are still working those cases in one of the largest investigations in the history of the Justice Department. And Definitely the largest investigation. Like Gina Bisignano, who you mentioned, uh, flew back to Southern California after participating in the attack and working with D.C. to help uh, get those people rounded up before the inauguration was... Um, you know, an incredible, an incredible lift. It took a lot of work from a lot of uh, agents and prosecutors around the country. And I think seeing the new indictment in D.C. 
what stood out to me is just how how remarkable it is what was going on behind the scenes that at the time those of us who were responding and helping respond to that attack were not aware of. And by the way, I know that we you know we're speaking about the fact that this is a narrow prosecution against Donald Trump and it's intended, it's built for speed basically against him, but do you also think that, you know, there were six unnamed co-conspirators in that indictment, uh, do you think that we'll see another prosecution, another case against those six co-conspirators that, that doesn't, that may not include Donald Trump, but that is intended to hold them accountable to? Yes, no doubt. And I think what Jack Smith probably was thinking is if you indict all those folks now, the amount of pretrial litigation and delay that would result from having those co-defendants in the same defense table with Donald Trump would drag this out for a long time. And I think, you know, rightly for the sake of justice and the future of the country and our republic, the American people Everybody's deserve a sanity. right to know whether they're going to cast their vote for someone who is a convicted felon or not yeah. before 2024. I'm sure you've been asked this question before, and obviously you guys it's all need just to wake the fuck up. At this point. No hell, but do you believe no that Donald way Trump in hell. Does get convicted to Should have been done two and a half years ago. Fuck ours. Do your job. Today, we are literally giving people something way more valuable than money. We are giving people a second any of the prosecutions that he's contending with right now. The do I mean, your I job think he's movement. In a, a really, really difficult position. And if I were his defense attorneys, um, I would be advising him to think seriously about cooperating and pleading guilty, given the seriousness of the allegations and the likelihood of a prison sentence. And I think he should maybe think about his historical legacy at this point. And I understand how many folks watching this are going to, you know, I think correctly believe that his personality would never allow him to do that. He needs to go to jail for a little while so he can get off the huffing Adderall, which is drive, driven him crazy. which is met. Trusted for prize. <laughs> I said, old diaper Donald needs to go to prison for a little while, so he gets off of huffing so much Adderall which is which has made which has driven him mad he is a meth head it has driven him insane he has turned into a monster criminally insane should be fucking taken away it's a fucking meth head kept so much which which made him go mad he is a meth head is it it has driven him insane it has turned him he has turned into a fucking monster um needs to go
I am Oxford. At your service. Okay, so it says, old diaper Donald. Old diaper Donald needs to go to prison for a little while, so he gets off of huffing so much Adderall, which made him so mad, which made him go mad. He's a meth head. It has driven him insane. He has turned into a monster. He needs to be immediately disqualified and put in a home for the criminally insane. I am Oxford University Psychology Tutor, by the way, at your service. Christopher Perez, John for prison. Imagine if he actually took accountability and at this moment decided that he was going to try to help the future Donald. of the United States, help our republic move beyond this moment. Think about how that would be written about in history. And I think that he should consider a factor like that. He's, he is going to live for all time at this moment, I think, in infamy. Um, but he has the ability still at this. People are never beyond redemption. And I think his defense attorneys have an obligation to give him Except that kind of advice as well. They may give him the advice. I think there's a higher likelihood of Donald Trump sprouting, sprouting wings, wings and flying uh, than there is of him doing that, but but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I think you're I think you're probably right about that. But I think you know to your your original question. I mean, he is facing the legitimate possibility of serious time in prison. And good defense attorneys, when they have a client who are f facing airtight allegations in a lot of these cases, would advise the client. You need to seriously think about cooperating. It is going to be one of your only chances to avoid prison time. Um, I think given the other considerations, obviously very, very unlikely in this case, but, um, you know, he is looking at high statutory maximums. Now, there are currently 19 defendants in the Fulton County trial. I think we can expect that some of those defendants may opt to cooperate with prosecutors instead of just throwing their freedom away uh, for Donald Trump. Can you walk us through the process of what it would look like if and when a defendant decides to flip? Yeah, I mean, some of the same considerations I just discussed a second ago for Donald Trump, um, you know, those are going to be amplified big time for the defendants who are not running for political office and who do not have this sort of uh, long shot chance at a pardon from a Republican governor in Georgia. I think those, those defendants and co-defendants with Trump are going to be under a lot more pressure, actually, to cooperate because they understand the likelihood of getting prison time if they don't cooperate with the government. So I think what would happen in, in both uh, cases, even though some of the others have not yet been indicted in the uh, Smith indictment in D.C., they've certainly been able to identify a lot of who those unindicted co-conspirators are. And the sooner the defense attorneys get those defendants or putative defendants to walk in and talk to the government, the more likely it is that they get reduce time in prison or no time in prison, depending on how helpful they are to the government. And so a lot of the defense attorneys representing these 19 or so co-defendants in both of these cases, or future co-defendants, 
are going to be talking to their clients and advising them to come in earlier because the earlier you come in, generally the more lenient your sentence is going to be down the road. So I think a lot of those conversations are taking place right now. And why not have done this sooner? Why wait until your name is included in right. uh, a state prosecution, is included in an indictment for you to finally recognize, oh shit, this is real, I better do something about it? I mean, I think a lot of them didn't know how strong the evidence was, despite what the public reporting was, uh, and, and a lot of this had been publicly reported before the indictment came down. I think the theories of liability also were probably unclear to a lot of the defense attorneys, but what I like in particular about the D.C. indictment is that it focuses on the criminal aspect of fraud, not this you know, First Amendment BS that... Uh, the far right has kind of been spewing and even frankly it's made its way into more you know mainstream conservative outlets and and i think when you see that this entire conspiracy and really in both cases involves submission of fraudulent documents or obstruction of official government proceedings it makes those arguments for criminal liability a lot clearer and easier for defense attorneys to articulate to their clients to say this is how strong the evidence is against you this is what your liability looks like you are looking at some serious time if you don't uh, come in and cooperate so i think now that those charges are laid out in a clearer fashion um, we will eventually see i think some people come in it's going to have to be done very surreptitiously given the risk to their lives. I mean, we've seen what happened with the grand jurors being threatened in yeah. Georgia. I mean, these are people who just got called in for jury duty. And still this I mean, motherfucker, still they don't put this. <laughs> yeah, well, grand jurors are being like doxxed. And, and I mean, Exclamation point. Everybody call the Justice Department and object. As well as the rest of the... Exclamation point. All of them must go. Remove them now. Remove them all now. <laughs> Trista. Press Trump for prison. Okay, now the grand jurors are being docked. Everybody call the Justice Department object, not subject. Hi, darling. I'm glad you're feeling better, my sweetheart. Now the grand jurors are being docked. Everybody call the Justice Department and object.
that they haven't put him in prison yet. Demand he is immediately disqualified from office. Disqualified and removed from office. Removed. Remove them all. As well as the rest of this 160 plus GEO traitors. GOP traitors. Who? Shepard. In the insurrection, remove them all now. We will have special elections. Everything will be hunky-dory. Hunky-dory. Oops. Ah, shit. Trista. <laughs> she wrote a lot. Okay. I'm having to cut some enormous amount of text. So here's the message, the massage. Exciting news, exclamation point. All the 160 plus GOP traitors question mark automatically disqualified. Ha ha. It's the Constitution, bitches. See if y'all are still there. Oh my gosh, you are. Shout out to KAMP State and Buddy O at the University of Arizona. Ah! And keep it one team, Pascal Yaki, Chad Radio, Chad Radio, Chad, go, 
crazy. Ah, <laughs> on the rest with just a job. Job of radio. Job radio. Job of Get back to the show, man. Joel Podcast. Thanks for 235. There was a little um, little spike. I don't know what it was. Probably because it was a weekend and my federal censors at DHS, Brad, Kevin, and, DH- and the dicks were at home with their families instead of surveilling me without a warrant 24-7. Anyway, guess what? They're all the motherfuckers who took part in the insurrection. Nah, you're automatically disqualified. Should have been removed two and a half years ago, so everybody called the Justice Department. 202-514-2000. Tell them to do their damn job. What do we pay them for? What are they, they're supposed to enforce the law. Constitution. Tell the Justice Department to read the Constitution. 14th Amendment, Section 3, no insurrectionists may hold office or be in the military, by the way. So all those motherfuckers got to go. Now, citizens arrest. <laughs> I'm going to turn this into, uh, I'm going to do a TikTok video along these lines. Uh, this is a citizens arrest. All those who took part, including perjury, trader, grain, and Lauren Boobert. And Nazi ass face dump Trump, of course. Um, who deserves capital? I'm the only presidential candidate calling for additional capital offenses, treason, and terrorism against Trump, and bioterrorism. Nobody's even talking about that. He's directly responsible for a million dead Americans. That means if anybody in your family died. During COVID, it's his fucking fault. He's a mass murderer. Okay? And if, uh, you know, I'm psychology, Oxford University psychology tutor, but, um, you know, that's, uh, so I, I see through all this bullshit. And so should you. It's time to wake the fuck up, America. You need to get up off your lazy, lardy asses, morbidly obese butts, and do something for your country. Like JFK said, ask not what your country could do for you. Ask what you could do for your country. Call the doge. 202 Do it. Get up. Turn off this podcast. Go make a fucking phone call. It's your democracy. Own it. People don't like serving. And and I mean, you. This is prosecutor warns Trump about prison sentence. Because it's your civic duty, but, you know, we've all been in those rooms, if you've ever had jury duty, where people are, you know, oh, no, I don't, I don't want the disruption. I want to try and get out of it. I mean, think about these people who were sitting there 
um, listening to this evidence and then now are being confronted with death threats just for doing their jobs. I mean, these are our neighbors. These are people selected at random. There is no partisan pre-screening process. And I think, unfortunately, there's so much disinformation out there around the nature of how our criminal justice system works, unfortunately, because of the lack of political leadership from uh, the Republican Party that we've just seen uh, these horrible threats against law enforcement and and now the grand jurors in Georgia developing, and it's really corrosive to our democracy. Yeah, coming to you right from the party that that prides itself on being the law and order party. Um, You know, Will, Judge Chutkin, sticking with this D.C. case, uh, laid out pretty clearly the terms of Trump's release, which included him not committing any more federal, state, and local crimes immediately after planting that flag, Donald Trump engaged in some casual witness intimidation by publicly pressuring Jeff Duncan, the former lieutenant governor of Georgia, to not testify against him. Why not remand him to custody pending trial? And, and I'm not asking that lightly because I understand the gravity of, of doing that, but if the condition was set by the court and then Trump broke that condition, isn't it, isn't it the court's credibility on the line by, by letting him continue to walk free? What? All right, some of you have still been asking me how Medicare recipients can claim their flex card today. If you're on Medicare and you don't know about... Well, I think she will take this very seriously. And I think, you know, I would not be surprised at some point in this process if an order to show cause is issued by the district judge in Washington if the former president continues to keep up these kinds of public statements that are either designed to intimidate um, jurors or witnesses, because it's crucial to the integrity of the process that people believe they can come into court, uh, take the oath to swear to tell the truth, and to do it without fear for their lives. And so I think that is a possibility at some point if he continues the behavior. And frankly, it's a possibility already with what we've seen. I mean, the way that this would normally work is the court could issue the OSC, the court could be made aware of the allegations. Cancel my subscription to the resurrection. Okay, um, cancel my uh, insurance. Welcome. Not using, uh, yeah. If I need to go anywhere, I'll take an Uber and a plane. Okay, back to the show. Just had to tell my uh, money maker. Money maker. Cancel my subscription to the resurrection. DOJ sentencing demands foreshadow doom for our trap. Nah, 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 nah. You're going down. Diaper down. Diaper down. Legal you want to know why the Department of Justice is trying to put the Proud Boys leadership convicted of seditious conspiracy away for over 33 years in some instances? And why that's so much greater than even they sought for the Oath Keepers? is because if you put the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers in a dark alley, the Oath Keepers would be scared of the Proud Boys.
right? Right-wing extremist paramilitary organizations as the army of Trump are all not created equal. Proud Boys are worse than Oath Keepers. They all should go away for a very long time breaking big rocks into small yeah. rocks. But the Proud Boys are worse. And I'm going to tell you why and why the government, the Department of Justice, in their sentencing memo just filed, is seeking over 30 years for a number of the leadership. It is the Proud Boys that are responsible for every bad thing that happened on Jan 6th at the Cradle of Democracy at How about our a capital offense? Everything. Charge. Um, they were the like first ones in. Like or terrorism. They led a paramilita paramilitary organization that lined up at 10 a.m. at the Washington Monument of all... Just stood for pres. Trump for prison. Camelot. Camelots. Okay. Did you? Okay. Hey, Lord Michael. What about capital offense charge like treason and terrorism? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Smiley face. What would that look like, Lord Michael? Christopher Press, Trump for prison. Did you hear? First thing I do when I'm president is give Midas Touch Network the Camelot Prize. Newly formed Camelot Award. Congratulations. This is March to the Capitol in wedge formation, led people there that they picked up, the other people there that were, that were soldiers for them, but they were the leaders. They were the first ones to start the fight at the West Terrace they were the, and the portico, battling it out hand-to-hand -hand combat with police who were outmatched. They used weapons, they used bear spray, they used pepper spray, they used shields, they broke in, the first ones to oh, break the line and enter the Senate, uh, enter the Senate, breaking windows, using police shields at battering rams, and all of those things. Proud Boys are so bad that the Department of Justice has calculated, based on the way the sentencing guidelines run, where you start with a base offense level for seditious conspiracy at the highest level, gives you 32 points on that scale. Then you add a couple of points for terrorism enhancement because yeah. they're terrorists. Uh -huh. And then you give them four points for leadership because they were the leaders of the Proud Boys. Uh -huh. And then you give them criminal history enhancement. And you end up the leaders of, of all the mili militia groups. Antario and almost 33 years. Trump's Zach militia Rell, groups. 30 years and Ethan Norton, 27 years. To put this in perspective, the leader, the one eyed, patch wearing leader, of the um, Oath Keepers, also convicted of seditious conspiracy, went to jail for, uh, he was sentenced for 18 years.
Stuart Rhodes. That's nothing. They're looking for 33 years Fuck for them. these guys. That's how bad these guys are. And it's the reason all four of them has, have been sitting as part of the D.C. jail choir that Trump likes to laud uh, because they're really bad people, and that's why they've had to sit in pretrial detention, some of them for over two years. Um, I'm going to talk about the actual comments in the sentencing memo because it is a powerful recitation of how the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland sees the prosecution of these people and the stain that they have left uh, indelibly on democracy and on our Constitution, which, yes, held, but not without a cost, to paraphrase the Department of Justice. These are the guys, the Proud Boys, Biggs, Tari, O'Rell, and Norton, that wrote about their 1776 moment. Uh, Enrique Tario who wasn't present, actually, on the day of Gen 6, hey, but did all no, the planning and did all no. the walkie-talkie and using um, uh, encrypted message platforms here, in order to encourage his people to do things. He took full credit afterwards on social media for the riot, the insurrection, the carnage, the bloodshed, the five people who died. He took full credit for that. He thought it was something he, sh he should take credit for. That was proud boy work. That was the Ministry of... Uh, paramilitary organization. This is the group to remind everybody as we enter a, a new debate season involving potentially Donald Trump that he said when he said he didn't know who they were during the debate with Hillary Clinton, he then told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Well, now it's stand back, stand by, and stand in prison for the next 30 years plus if the, if the Department of Justice have, has its way. Um, and so they, them and the leaders of the, now I got it, Ministry of Self-Defense that, that fired their way in there. And Reiko Tario, the only reason he wasn't there is because two days earlier, he tore down and burned in front of a black church, a Black Lives Matter a banner, Black Lives Matter banner, uh, and he was arrested and tipped off by a, a local cop not to be uh, present on Jan 6th. That's the only reason he wasn't there, but he was leading, he was exhorting, he was commanding from his, uh, his other post. Now, uh, the sentencing here is going to be handled by a Trump-appointed uh, judge, uh, a Trump-appointed judge, but it's one that's, as of so far, has uh, not been that lenient with the Jan 6th defendants before him. I mean, he's dismissed a couple of smaller cases, some trespass cases. But when it comes to serious matters like seditious conspiracy, for which he sat as a jury convicted them, he's denied motions to uh, overturn the indictment and attacks on the Department of Justice. And so we fully expect that in sentencing, he's going to uh, come pretty close to what the Department of Justice has to say. He's more of a Bushian than a Trumpian Republican, this judge. He, he worked in the same unit that Jack Smith did, not at the same time. They didn't overlap in the Department of Justice, the Public Corrush Corruption Unit. So he understands that. Um, and, you know, he, he worked under uh, George Bush. At one point, when he worked in private practice, he worked for the Legal Aid Society as a defense lawyer. So I, I'm not that worried about who the, the judge is going to be. Now, let me read to you some of the most powerful elements of the sentencing memo filed by the Department of Justice. A quick tutorial after a conviction, there's a three or four month gap while the defense team gathers their sentencing memo 
and recommendation through the, the U.S. Probation Department. They get letters of commendation and, and letters of reference, and they try to argue for the low end of the scale. And the Department of Justice puts together its information, its calculus uh, with a chart, and then all the back, background and backup information per defendant so that the judge has it. And then the victims, all the police who were attacked, all the Capitol Police that were outmatched, the ones that were beaten by the sh by police, their own police shields, by the Proud Boys, sprayed with pepper spray, uh, punched in the face, all of them, they are the victims. They get to testify as well, put in affidavits, and then this whole package gets put in front of the judge, who then uses his discretion based on the sentencing guidelines to uh, fashion a sentence that is uh, commensurate with the crime and not just to punish them, but to ensure that others don't emulate them. It's another purpose of criminal justice. And so let me read to you just some of the most powerful moments in this particular sentencing memo, which we'll also put up on the board. I like knowing exactly where my meat comes from. And with Moink, that place is from small family farms all across the country. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents Sounds nice. Did. Good. Good sponsor. Yeah, man, no ads. He's being, Trump is being cornered on all sides. Yeah. Straight to your door. Moink Farmers Farm leading their men to a vulnerable entrance on the west front of the Capitol when most other rally goers were focused on the... So this is how they describe the government, uh, the evidence against the Proud Boys. And I'm quoting, Having already ravaged the streets of Washington, D.C. with violence on two prior occasions in the fall of 2020, Tario, Biggs, Nordine, and Rell hand-selected rally boys, including Dominic Pizzola, for their return on Jan 6, 2021. They established a chain of command in which the directives of leadership would be followed without question. They chose the time and the place for action, leading their men to a vulnerable entrance on the west front of the Capitol, when most other rally-goers were focused on the then-President Donald Trump's speech almost a mile away. They arrived shortly before 1 p.m., the appointed hour for the certification to begin. These defendants and the men in their command saw themselves as the foot soldiers of the right. There we are, the foot soldiers of Donald Trump. They were prepared to use, and they did use, force to stop the traitors from stealing the election. Now, that means the people that were, that were certified for Joe Biden. On May 4th, 2023, 12 jurors found each defendant guilty due, uh, for their calculated efforts to oppose the lawful transfer of presidential power. The defendants and the men they recruited and led participated in every consequential breach at the Capitol on Jan 6th. They began their assault that day at 10 a.m. when Nordeen, Biggs, and Rell marched an assembled group of nearly 200 individuals away from the speeches at the Ellipse and directly to the Capitol. They, first, they, they arrived at the first street gate at 12.50 p.m., and Biggs led the crowd in chants of, Whose capital? Our capital. And whose house? Our house. Within three minutes, Nordeen, Biggs, Rell, and Pozzola helped lead the charge up the first street walkway with their men throwing aside bike racks and laying waste 
to anything that stood in their path. As Biggs proudly declared, we're, we're going through every barricade so far. The government later said that the defendant's leadership role was no accident. They viewed themselves as revolutionaries, and they believed fully in their cause. From the start of the riot, the defendants and their co-conspirators celebrated their achievement. And then they go on to describe how they did that in social media and how they patted themselves on the back for leading the riot. Um, Nordine, for instance, recorded a video of himself uh, describing an encounter with a woman at the bar. In the video, he faulted the woman for not appreciating that he was part of an effing storming the capital of the most powerful country in the effing world, 1776, bitch. That was his comment. In the victim section of the sentencing guidelines, they quote from Mike Pence about freedom at the Capitol and democracy and defending the Constitution. They then quote from Ronald Reagan as follows. In his 1981 inaugural address, President Ronald Reagan remarked that the peaceful and orderly transfer of power called for by the Constitution is viewed by the rest of the world as nothing less than a miracle. These defendants and their followers attempted to, to subvert that two centuries old tradition. And while freedom, democracy, and the Constitution prevailed on January 6th, it was not without costs. Alongside the enduring legacy of bravery and honor by those who defended our country, a harsh reality has emerged. Political violence is not some foreign concept that exists only in faraway lands. It exists here too. The actions of these defendants threaten the bedrock principles of our country, democracy, and the rule of law. These defendants sought out and embraced their role as the purveyors of street violence to achieve their political objectives. They loudly and publicly declared themselves the face of the insurgency in the wake of the presidential election, and they encouraged others to follow them. I mean, this is some, and this goes on for 70 or 80 pages. This is how the Department of Justice is making its case to the American people. In sentencing memos like this one, in closing arguments and opening statements in the trials that they've tried, they haven't lost one jury trial yet in the uh, Jan 6th, and they've already uh, prosecuted up to 2,000 people. It is important as a counterweight, as a background to the indictments of Donald Trump, that people understand what happened on January 6th, who the leadership was taking their instructions from Donald Trump and others. Even if you take Jack Smith at his word in his indictment that he's not charging Donald Trump with actually causing the insurrection, but he's saying he was an opportunist who used the insurrection to his advantage in a commercial sense to cover for his continued cling to power trying to buy more time in order to steal the election from uh, Joe Biden any way he could. Lawsuits that were phony that failed. Fake electors that were phony and failed. The attempt to throw it over to the state houses to let each state vote, which would have given the vote to Donald Trump because there's more Republican states than Democratic states when you just do it by sheer number. And he just needed to buy more time. And when he saw a mob attacking the Capitol, rather than think, this is a bad thing, I'm the commander-in-chief, and they're doing it in my name, I better call them off, he thought Donald Trump, based on the indictment, how do I take advantage of these people who are looting and attacking and in a conspiracy, seditious conspiracy fashion, 
attacking the bedrock of our democracy. How can I take advantage of that? One thing I'm going to do is I'm going to stay quiet for four hours, and I'm not going to say a darn thing. And even when I get up hours and hours later, after people had already been maimed, injured, psychologically traumatized, all the police, and people dead at the Capitol, did this weak, feckless, I wouldn't even call him a leader, get up and make a statement, and one that did not do anything at all to quell the violence, which, which was out of control. We learn about that here in the sentencing memo. This is why the Proud Boys, who were the generals and the foot soldiers for Donald Trump, are going away for a long, long time. 33 years, 30 years, 20 years. All higher than what Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers got. For a good reason. For a, for a reason that needs to be impressed on people. As they said in the sentencing memo, political violence has come to the shores of America. And if we're going to stop it, if we do, if we want other Jan 6 okay, then we, we lighten up and we give leniency on the sentencing. We let everybody walk out the front door. Okay, time served, two years, great. But if we want to send a message, which our political justice system does, that this can't ever happen again, then the perpetrators of the violence have to be caught, uh, they have to be indicted, they have to be tried, and if they're convicted, they have to be sentenced to the higher, highest levels possible. Let's hope that the judge, who's going to be uh, sentencing these people, gets the message. He'll have the sentencing memo for the government. He'll have the sentencing memo recommendations for from the defendants, each one of them. He'll hear from the victims. There'll probably be at least a dozen police, uh, Capitol Police and yeah. D.C. Police, who, and, and staffers and elected officials, right, who will AFC? end up giving sworn testimony that this judge will have to uh, consider. Bernie. And the judge, Tim Kelly, listen, I know his background, I know where he came from, right? He was a Republican, he was a Bush person, he's not a Trump person, and he sided with the Department of Justice so far in cases like this one. I expect him to end up in the in sentences that have a two and a high number next to it, or a three and a high number next to it, and nothing less, frankly, nothing less is right for the American people. We're going to follow sentencing about Jan 6th, defendants here on the Midas Touch Network. It's the only place you can get it. This kind of straight talk. No sunshine blown. No <laughs> smoke blown. Just the facts, analysis that comes from being a practicing attorney in courtrooms just like this one for the last 32 years. I'm so passionate about this, these issues that I co-founded and co-anchor the leading podcast at the intersection of law and politics U.S. style. It's called Legal AF. You can only get it one place, the Midas Touch YouTube channel and on their podcast platforms. That's it. It's a free subscribe both places. Nothing I'm talking about here costs any money. Only your support and your attention. And you can do it on Wednesdays and Saturdays. We have the podcast. We have it on YouTube format. We have it in audio format. Again, on the Midas Touch Network. I do hot takes like this one about every day or twice a day depending upon what's going on at that intersection of law and politics. You can catch me on Hot Takes also only on the Midas Touch Network. Slide over to playlists on that YouTube channel, and you'll find my entire library of work, over 350 hot takes so far uh, and counting, related to the issues we're talking about here. And that podcast, we pull it all together to curate the best stories from the week 
that we think you should know uh, in that in that arena. If you like what I'm doing? I'm Michael Popak. You can follow me on all things social media at MS Popak, including now on Threads. Until the next hot take, this is Michael Popak, Legal Air. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right, gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. You're gonna hear that again, that's fucking great. Fucking great! Told you the headlines are fucking great these days. This be so depressing. John Bolton. Oh, it's just bad John Bolton. Michael Popak, Legal AF. You wonder why the Department of Justice is trying to put the Proud Boys leadership, convicted of seditious conspiracy, away for over 33 years in some instances? Uh-huh. And why that's so much greater than even they saw for the Oath Keepers? It's because if you put the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers in a dark alley, the Oath Keepers would be scared of the Proud Boys. Right? Right-wing extremist paramilitary organizations <laughs> as the Army and Trump are all... Trump's Trump Army! Proud Boys are worse than Oath Keepers. They all should go away for a very long time, breaking big rocks into small rocks. But the Proud Boys are worse. And I'm going to tell you why, and why the government, the Department of Justice, in their sentencing memo, just filed, is seeking over 30 years for a number of... <laughs> It is the Proud Boys Suckers. that are responsible for Suckers every and losers. bad thing that happened on Jan 6th at the Cradle of Democracy at our Congress. Everything. Uh, they were the first ones in. They led a paramilit- paramilitary organization that lined up at 10 a.m. at the Washington Monument, of all places, marched to the Capitol in wedge formation, led people there that they picked up, the other people there that were that were soldiers for them, but they were the leaders. They were the first ones to start the fight at the West Terrace. They were in the portico, battling it out hand-to-hand combat with police who were outmatched. They used weapons, they used bear spray, they used pepper spray, they used shields. They broke in, the first ones to break the line and enter the Senate, uh, Senate, breaking windows using police shields and battering rams, and all of those things. Proud Boys are so bad, that the Department of Justice has calculated based on the way the sentencing guidelines run, where you start with a base offense level for seditious conspiracy at the highest level, gives you 32 points on that scale. Then you add a couple of points for terrorism enhancement because they're terrorists, and then you give them four points for leadership because they were the leaders of the Proud Boys, and then you give them criminal history enhancement, and you end up at a range of sentences for Biggs and Tario at almost 33 years, Zach Rell, 30 years, and Ethan Norton, 27 years. To put this in perspective, the leader, the one-eyed, patch-wearing leader of the um, Oath Keepers, also convicted of seditious conspiracy, went to jail for, uh, he was sentenced for 18 years, Stuart Rhodes. They're looking for 33 years for these guys. That's how bad these guys are. And it's the reason all four of them have been sitting as part of the TC jail fire that Trump likes to laud. uh, Because they're really bad people, and that's why they've had to sit in pretrial detention, some of them for over two years. Um, I'm going to talk about the actual comments in the sentencing memo, because it is a powerful recitation of how the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland sees the prosecution of these people and the stain that they have left 
uh, indelibly on democracy and on our Constitution, which, yes, held, but not without a cost, to paraphrase the Department of Justice. These are the guys, the Proud Boys, Biggs, Tari, O'Rell, and Norton, that wrote about their 1776 moment. Uh, Enrique Tario, who wasn't present, actually, on the day of Gen 6, but did all the planning and did all the walkie-talkie and using um, uh, encrypted message platforms in order to encourage his people to do things. He took full credit afterwards on social media for the riot, the insurrection, the carnage, the bloodshed, the five people who died. He took full credit for that. He thought it was something he, sh he should take credit for. That was proud boy work. That was the, the ministry of... Uh, uh, I forget what they call it. It's some idiotic phrase that they use for their uh, their uh, paramilitary organization. This is the group to remind everybody as we enter a, a new debate season involving potentially Donald Trump that he said when he said he didn't know who they were during the debate with Hillary Clinton. He then told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Well, now it's stand back, stand by, and stand in prison the next 30 years plus if the, if the Department of Justice ha has its way. Um, and so they, them and the leaders of the now I got it, Ministry of Self-Defense that, that fired their way in there. Enrique Otario, the only reason he wasn't there is because two days earlier he tore down and burned in front of a black church, a Black Lives Matter a banner, Black Lives Matter banner, uh, and he was arrested and tipped off by a, a local cop not to be uh, president on Jan 6th. That's the only reason he wasn't there, but he was leading, he was exhorting, he was commanding from his, uh, his other post. Now, uh, the sentencing here is going to be handled by a Trump-appointed uh, judge, uh, a Trump-appointed judge, but it's one that's, as of so far, has uh, not been that lenient with the Jan 6 defendants before him. I mean, he's dismissed a couple of smaller cases, some trespass cases. But when it comes to serious matters like seditious conspiracy, for which he sat as a jury convicted them, he's denied motions to uh, overturn the indictment and attacks on the Department of Justice. And so we fully expect that in sentencing, he's going to uh, come pretty close to what the Department of Justice has to say. He's more of a Bushian than a Trumpian Republican, this judge. He, he worked in the same unit that Jack Smith did, not at the same time. They didn't overlap in the Department of Justice, the Public Corruption, corruption Unit. So he understands that. Um, and, you know, he, he worked under uh, George Bush. At one point, when he worked in private practice, he worked for the Legal Aid Society as a defense lawyer. So I, I'm not that worried about who the, the judge is going to be. Now, let me read to you some of the most powerful elements of the sentencing memo filed by the Department of Justice. A quick tutorial after a conviction, there's a three or four month gap while the defense team gathers their sentencing memo and recommendation through the, the U.S. Probation Department. They get letters of commendation and letters of reference and they try to argue for the low end of the scale and the Department of Justice puts together its information, its calculus, uh, with a chart and then all the back background and backup information per defendant so that the judge has it. And then the victims, all the police who were attacked, all the Capitol Police that were outmatched, the ones that were beaten by, the sh by police, their own police shields, by the Proud Boys, sprayed with pepper spray, uh, punched in the face, 
all of them, they are the victims, they get to testify as well, put in affidavits, and then this whole package gets put in front of the judge, who then uses his discretion based on the sentencing guidelines to uh, fashion a sentence that is uh, commensurate with the crime, and not just to punish them, but to ensure that others don't emulate them. It's another purpose of criminal justice. And so let me read to you just some of the most powerful moments in this particular sentencing memo, which we'll also put up on the board. I like knowing exactly where my meat comes from. And with Moink, that place is from small family farms all across the country. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did. Hey folks, we're gonna win re-election and we need you by my side. Hey man, fuck off old man, Brendan. Fuck off, friend Bob. Salmon fillets and much Fuck off, Brandon. Corbell founder Jamie Siminoff, he jumped at the chance to replace you. Old man, we don't need another fall old fart. We don't need another old fart. The government, the evidence against the Proud Boys. And I'm quoting. Having already ravaged the streets of Washington, D.C. with violence on two prior occasions in the fall of 2020, Tario, Biggs, Nordine, and Rell hand-selected rally boys, including Dominic Pozzola, for their return on Jan 6, 2021. They established a chain of command in which the directives of leadership would be followed without question. They chose the time and the place for action leading their men to a vulnerable entrance on the west front of the Capitol, when most other rally-goers were focused on the then-President Donald Trump's speech almost a mile away. They arrived shortly before 1 p.m., the appointed hour for the certification to begin. These defendants and the men in their command saw themselves as the foot soldiers of the right. There we are, the foot soldiers of Donald Trump. They were prepared to use, and they did use, force to stop the traitors from stealing the election. Now, that means the people that were, that were certifying for Joe Biden. On May 4th, 2023, 12 jurors found each defendant guilty to, uh, for their calculated efforts to oppose the lawful transfer of presidential power. The defendants and the men they recruited and led participated in every consequential breach at the Capitol on Jan 6th. They began their assault that day at 10 a.m. when Nordine, Biggs, and Rell marched an assembled group of nearly 200 individuals away from the speeches at the Ellipse and directly to the Capitol. They first, they, they arrived at the first street gate at 12.50 p.m. and Biggs led the crowd in chants of whose Capitol, our Capitol, and whose house, our house. Within three minutes, Nordine, Biggs, Rell, and Pozzola helped lead the charge up the first street walkway with their men throwing aside bike racks and laying waste to anything that stood in their path. As Biggs proudly declared, we're, we're going through every barricade so far. The government later said that the defendant's leadership role was no accident. They viewed themselves as revolutionaries, and they believed fully in their cause. 
from the start of the riot, the defendants and their co-conspirators celebrated their achievement. And then they go on to describe how they did that in social media and how they patted themselves on the back for leading the riot. Um, Nordine, for instance, recorded a video of himself uh, describing an encounter with a woman at the bar. In the video, he faulted the woman for not appreciating that he was part of an effing storming the capital of the most powerful country in the effing world, 1776, bitch. That was his comment. In the victim section of the sentencing guidelines, they quote from Mike Pence about freedom at the capital and democracy and defending the Constitution. They then quote from Ronald Reagan, as follows, in his 1981 inaugural address, President Ronald Reagan remarked that the peaceful and orderly transfer of power called for by the Constitution is viewed by the rest of the world as nothing less than a miracle. These defendants and their followers attempted to, to subvert that two centuries old tradition. And while freedom, democracy, and the Constitution prevailed on January 6th, it was not without costs. Alongside the enduring legacy of bravery and honor by those who defended our country, a harsh reality has emerged. Political violence is not some foreign concept that exists only in faraway lands. It exists here, too. The actions of these defendants threaten the bedrock principles of our country, democracy, and the rule of law. These defendants sought out and embraced their role as the purveyors of street violence to achieve their political objectives. They loudly and publicly declared themselves the face of the insurgency in the wake of the presidential election, and they encouraged others to follow them. I mean, this is some, and this goes on for 70 or 80 pages. This is how the Department of Justice is making its case to the American people. In sentencing memos like this one, in closing arguments and opening statements in the trials that they've tried, they haven't lost one jury trial yet in the uh, Jan 6, and they've already been prosecuting up to 2,000 people. It is important as a counterweight, as a background to the indictments of Donald Trump. Hello, welcome back. Listening to how Rudy Giuliani, Rudolph, <laughs> I'm start calling him Rudolph, <laughs> red nosed psycho. Anyway, red nosed trader. Rudolph the red nosed trader had a very shiny nose because he's an alcoholic. called Rudy Created Roadmap to put him and Trump in prison for life. But it's ridiculous. Definitely ridiculous. The foundation is a racketeering enterprise. <laughs> it's a racketeering enterprise. This is him in his glory days. I was the first one to use the racketeering statute
can't do it. And now we have Donald Trump. Michael Popak, Legal AF, back in 2016, that was Rudy Giuliani campaigning for Donald Trump, saying that he, as the godfather of the racketeering influence and corrupt organization act statute, that it was it should be properly applied to Hillary Clinton and that we can't send a criminal to the White House. Now let's talk about the sweet irony of that, because Mr. Rico has just been Ricoed himself. I would love to take credit for that turn of the phrase, but that's from the Wall Street Journal, a Rupert Murdoch paper. What are they talking about? Rudy Giuliani, before he became a criminal defendant, and before he was the mayor of New York, had a reasonably successful career as a prosecutor. He was even in the Department of Justice as the number three attorney, deputy attorney general for the entire United States. And there, he decided that there was a statute that had been sitting on the books, a criminal federal statute, sitting on the books since the 1970s, passed to fight organized crime, kind of all came out of the godfather era in our country. Um, and it was called, it is called, the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act. It's, it's referred to as RICO. By the way, they picked the initials in order to have some sort of Italian-sounding name as a side note. The RICO statute is now not only on the federal books, but on most states have their own version and call it RICO. So Georgia has a RICO statute. And the irony now is that the originator, the person who basically wrote the textbook, on how to use RICO against organizations that aren't necessarily organized crime or the part of the mob is now being prosecuted for violating those very sets of statutes. So what I was getting to is when he was in the Department of Justice, he dusted off an old statute that had been on the books since the 1970s called uh -huh. RICO and figured out a way and hired prosecutors to use it to go after the very, very top, the creme de la uh -huh. So bad. <laughs> and I probably will. The leather glorious. These are nothing but boring stories of. Glory days. Now, 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 pass you by. Glory days. And love young girls are glory days. Glory days. Alright. Oh, yeah. Leaves it with Mr. Wood. Nothing with. No. Leaves you Mr. Wood. Nothing but stories of glory days. And now I pass you by glory days. In the middle of a young girl's eye, glory days. Connected. So 
we go. Use it to corruption nuclear material into Russia. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. The foundation is a racketeering enterprise. It's a racketeering enterprise. <laughs> the RICO statute. I was the first one to use the racketeering statute <laughs> for public corruption. I did it against most of Ed Koch's administration. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, Ed wasn't paying attention. Well, they were stealing millions. So, mm -hmm. there uh, we have Hillary. Uh, you can't vote for her. You can't. I mean, you just can't. You can't put a criminal in the White House. You can't do it. Uh, now we have Donald Trump. The Michael Popak Legal AF back in 2016, that was Rudy Giuliani campaigning for Donald Trump, <laughs> saying that he, as the godfather of the Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organization Act statute, that... Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organization Act case. It, was, it should be properly applied to Hillary Clinton and that we can't send a criminal to the White House. Now let's talk about the sweet irony of that, because Mr. Rico has just been Ricoed himself. I would love to take credit for that turn of the phrase, but that's for the Wall Street Journal, a Rupert Murdoch paper. What are they talking about? Rudy Giuliani, before he became a criminal defendant, and before he was the mayor of New York, had a reasonably successful career as a prosecutor. He was even in the Department of Justice as the number three attorney, Deputy Attorney General for the entire United States. And there, he decided uh, that there was an, a statute that had been sitting on the books, a criminal federal statute, sitting on the books since the 1970s, passed to fight organized crime, kind of all came out of the Godfather era in our country. Um, and it was called, it is called, the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act. It's, it's referred to as RICO. By the way, they picked the initials in order to have some sort of Italian-sounding name as a side note. The RICO statute is now not only on the federal books, but on most states have their own version and call it RICO. So Georgia has a RICO statute. And the irony now is that the originator, the person who basically wrote the textbook, on how to use RICO against organizations that aren't necessarily organized crime or the part of the mob is now being prosecuted for violating those very sets of statutes. So what I was getting to is when he was in the Department of Justice, he dusted off an old statute that had been on the books since the 1970s called RICO and figured out a way and hired prosecutors under him to use it to go after the very, very top, the creme de la creme of the criminals in a criminal conspiracy so that they're not just, you know, prosecuting and convicting the foot soldiers. They wanted the tops, right, the heads of the organization. When he got into the Southern District of New York as the U.S. Attorney, he was appointed there by the then president, and he served in that role from 1983 to 1989. He is famous, infamous, if you will, for having taken the RICO statute, dusted it off, 
rewritten for prosecutors into the future, like one Fulton County District Attorney, Fawny Willis, how to use it in creative ways that maybe even the people that put that statute on the books in Congress hadn't anticipated. So he is the godfather. He's referred to as the godfather of RICO. And he used it not just in organized crime, although he did use it against the infamous five families, you know, from Godfather fame in New York to bring them down. He used it to not just get the lower level soldiers of the mafia and the, and the organized crime, but he, he got the top people, too, and put them all in jail. But that's not the only time he used it. And as he just referenced in the video clip that we played at the top of this hot take, he used it in other ways as any good prosecutor would, and wrote the textbook and the blueprint about how to use it in the future. So he used it against the wolves of Wall Street, the financiers like Ivan Bosky and Michael Milken, who were put away for years and hundreds of millions of dollars stripped away from them because they played on an unlevel playing field in the securities markets on Wall Street, and they took advantage of mom-and-pop investors and insider-traded to the tune of hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. He used it against them. They weren't the mafia. They were organized crime in their own way because these statutes, the one that Fawny Willis is using, the one that Rudy Giuliani used um, against others when it was appropriate, only require two underlying predicate acts or crimes and then overt acts, which are steps taken by every par party that's a participant in the conspiracy. And in the indictment in Georgia, there are 161 overt acts, many of which were involving Rudy Giuliani, who was the captain of Team Crazy, who went around in, to, to attack and pressure election officials, elected officials, hold phony legislative hearings in which they brought in false and fraudulent election data to show that there was some sort of fraud when there wasn't. He led the lawsuits. He implemented the crazy pipe dreams of John Eastman and Ken Cheeseborough, these legal halfwits who wrote, you know, the absent-minded constitutional law professors who wrote, you know, here's how we will create fake electors and then we'll have Mike Pence not recognize the real electors and throw it over to the state houses and make Donald Trump the president. Or we know this isn't going to work, but it'll buy us enough time and then maybe we can, you know, our pressure campaign will work. And all that is part of the conspiracy that's reflected in the 98-page indictment. Rudy Giuliani has 13 crimes, criminal counts against him in that indictment. But the big one, the headline here is, the godfather of RICO, who wrote the textbook on how to use it and stretch it, is, 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 uh, is being prosecuted under those very same laws. And you just heard him admit in that clip that he used it in public corruption cases. Let me repeat that, because the, the new version, the new version of Rudy Giuliani, who's running around on television and giving quotes, is saying the opposite of that clip I just showed. Okay? I'm going to show you the flip-flop in a minute. We're going to play it here in the middle. And I'm going to show you how he's flipped, because now he claims, oh, RICO's only for organized crime. I, I was the father of RICO. Uh, it's not being used properly against me. It was never supposed to be for election fraud. Wrong. Even another Rudy Giuliani lookalike from 2016 in the clip we just played in front of other elected officials when he was campaigning for Donald Trump and still listed as the former mayor uh -huh. of New York, you can see on that line, instead uh -huh. of currently indicted co-conspirator, in, uh, in Georgia, an unindicted co-conspirator in Jack Smith's federal case, right? That's what, yeah. he couldn't fit that all on the cryon at the bottom <laughs> underneath his name. But then he was saying, 
that Hillary Clinton was a member of an organized criminal enterprise and that she shouldn't go to White House. She should go to jail. She was a criminal. Don't put a criminal in the White House. That should be the slogan Joe Biden actually runs with this this coming election. Don't put a criminal in the White House. Vote for Joe Biden. That alone should get him enough votes to put him over the top. So let me just show the quick split screen here because it's so fascinating (laughs) to watch because I think these idiots, these criminals, Like Donald Trump and others, don't think that there's a wayback machine or there's any way to to go find clips and video and audio and tweets and social media postings from the past and compare it to what they're saying now. That's what prosecutors are doing. That's the basis of a lot of the indictments are the social media postings, the video clips, the interviews that are being used by these people. Prosecutors have a name for that in the world of racketeering, influence, and corrupt organization. They call it overt acts in furtherance of the conspiracy. I know that Giuliani and Trump call it the First Amendment social media interviews. No, they're crimes, and they're indicative of crimes. So let me run back to back. Let me run that clip again. First, you're going to see Rudy Giuliani in 2016 saying don't send a criminal to the White House and that proper use of racketeering influence and corrupt organization act includes public corruption citing that he went after the former mayor of New York Ed Koch and his administration using the racketeering influence uh, set of conspiracies basically endorsing its use for public integrity and public corruption cases which is at bottom what the election interference case is in Georgia. And then I'm going to run right after that a clip um, of him saying, it's not being used properly. I should know. I invented it. (laughs) And then we'll wrap it up. Let's run the clips. The foundation is a racketeering enterprise. It's a racketeering enterprise. The RICO statute. I was the first one to use the racketeering statute for public corruption. I did it against most of Ed Koch's administration. (laughs) Well, Ed wasn't paying attention, though they were stealing millions. So there we have Hillary. You can't vote for her. You can't. You just can't. You can't put a criminal in the White House. You can't do it. Now we have Donald Trump. <laughs> Criminal defendant Rudolph Giuliani just Rudolph said this. The red nosed alcoholic. The red nosed traitor. Criminal defendant Rudolph Giuliani just said this. This is a ridiculous act. Racketeering influence uh, set of conspiracies basically endorsing its use for public integrity in public corruption cases, which is at bottom what the election interference case is in Georgia. And then I'm going to run right after that a clip um, of him saying, it's not being used properly. I should know. I invented it. And then we'll wrap it up. Let's run the clips. The foundation is a racketeering enterprise. It's a racketeering enterprise. The RICO statute. 
I was the first one to use the racketeering statute for public corruption. I did it against most of Ed Koch's administration. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, Ed wasn't paying attention, though they were stealing millions. So there we have Hillary. Yeah, you can't play for it. You can't. Time you just can't. You can't put a criminal in the White House. You can't do it. Now we have Donald Trump. Criminal defendant Rudolph Giuliani just said this. This is a ridiculous application of the racketeering statute. There's probably no one that knows it better than I do, probably some that know it as well. I was the first one to use it in white collar cases. But in major cases like the Boski case and the Milken case, uh, this is not meant for election disputes. I mean, I, this is ridiculous what she's doing. <laughs> okay, what a difference right. seven years or eight years makes in Rudy Giuliani's tune. What He's singing a different tune now. I'm hoping, I guess, that nobody would find the earlier clip, but uh, we did and, and others did. And, and there we have it presented to you. All of this is not going to work. You know, this, while it may be interesting for a fundraising campaign or an interview or on social media or right wing, you know, right wing news uh, media, it's not a defense, right? He's not going to be able to say, I'm an expert on RICO and it's being improperly used against me. I should know. I'm the godfather of RICO. I mean, that, that's just a sweet irony that's going to be presented to the jury. That's not a defense, right? It's going to lead to some giggling by the jury. Remember, you know, Rudy Giuliani once said at the ellipse during the speech on Jan 6, if we're wrong, meaning him, Eastman, Cheeseboro, Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, and others, if we're wrong, we're going to be made fools of. But if we're right, others are going to be in jail. Okay, I got news for you. You were wrong. And not only are you going to be made fools of, you're going to jail as a result of the indictments against you. We're going to follow all of this, the flip-flopping by Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. We got the knives are out. You know that show on television, Knives Out? No, knives are out. We're watching live vivisection and cannibalism by the unindicted and indicted co-conspirators and lawyers for Donald Trump. Everybody's wearing a T-shirt now that said, he did it, I didn't. Um, they're throwing each other under the bus. This is exactly what the prosecutors wanted. This is a prosecutor's dream. I was going to say something else. A prosecutor's dream. Jack Smith is salivating over this. Swanee Willis's team is salivating out of it, all over it. And all the new statements that are coming out will just be used in courtrooms as evidence and or in new and future indictments. I'm going to follow it on hot takes just like this one in one place. You know where it is. It's the Midas Touch Network. We're almost going to be at 2 million subscribers. Free. Free. Help us get there. And we'll keep bringing the content to you on hot takes just like this one about every hour on the Midas Touch Network. I do it with uh, two other co-anchors of mine on Legal AF, Karen Freeman, Ignifilo, Ben Mysalis. If you like hot takes, if you like hot takes, you're going to love our podcast, Legal AF, only on the Midas Touch Network. We do it live, YouTube recording Wednesdays and Saturdays. We then put it up on audio everywhere you get an audio podcast. By the time we're done, by the end of the week, it's 500,000, 800,000 people have watched it. We curate the best of these hot takes and the stories at the intersection of U.S. law and politics for you. And I give it to you from my perspective, 32-year uh, trial lawyer in courtrooms and courthouses, just like the ones I'm talking about. 
If you like me, I'm Michael Popak. Follow me on all things social media, including now threads at MS Popak. Until the next hot take, this is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Right, that was wonderful. Two hundred five subscribers. Cause he's an alcoholic. Rudolph the red nosed traitor. <laughs> Pops, pops. Let's see. Rudolph the red nosed trader had a very shiny nose because he's an alcoholic. You could even say he blows. Let's see here. Comedy by Trista. Comedy. Right. Hello, darling. Shout out to KAMPHD Radio at the University of Arizona. And KPYT, that's where you'll be. Travel radio. Travel radio.
Jack Bulbrady oh. On the Reds with Trista Show Tom Radio Travel Radio Let's see what else Mother's Touch has to offer tonight Babysits, a babysitter. Uh, should be dual about podcasting. Just because these are amazing times. Want to make sure we get the message out. Right. Great step. I started. Um, Kind of doing a compilation, a daily compilation of all the news and some ancient history stuff I listen to. Good evening, good evening, yes. Let's see what's um, uh, new on Midas Touch. 34 minutes ago posted. Confused Trump so desperate in disastrous live TV interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, y'all. It's Lita Hakeem Jeffrey. Hi, Hakeem. Hey, baby. Need your love, need your dough, need your dough, need your dough. No, you don't, no, you don't. So, witch hunt is just a continuation of a witch hunt. They want to silence you, they want to silence you, and they mean silence. It's a witch hunt, and they want to silence you. And what about taking you to court and giving you a chance to put your case forward? in a court of law, which part of that is silencing you, because you know, you're on national television talking about it, so you're not silenced there, you're messaging about it on your Truth Social platform every other hour and at two o'clock in the morning, so you're not silenced there, you're going to get your day in court, so how exactly are Democrats or prosecution in this case, how are they silencing you? Uh, I think they're sick people. I think they are people that uh, have no idea how the world works and they have no idea the anger they cause. And you keep referring to people being sick. And what is that? Are you referring to uh, coronavirus or mental illness? Because, you know, you never give any specifics because you don't know any more words than these kind of little buzz phrases. They're sick people. It's the biggest in the world. Everybody's talking about it. A lot of people are saying. I mean, none of this stuff makes any sense. And, and here's it's the crux. When job. you refer to they don't know how the world works, the and people are very angry about it, what you're really saying there is the you don't know how it works Connell. when white people Jack are supposed S. to be able to do Dump. whatever they want. Jack when rich Dump. white men Connell. have ruled the Jack world for years, Dump. and now... For some reason, you have black females trying to stop rich white men from just doing whatever they want to do. That's the problem, isn't it? That really is the whole crux of this argument. Your, your frustration that you are finally being stopped in your tracks by the law of the country that you were born into. This is not some Democrat law. This is not some law of another nation. This is not the, this is not the Hague. This is the United States of America saying that you have broken the law. And because you're rich, and because you're white, and because you're male, you've been getting away with it 
for decades. And that is why you think that the other side, whoever they may be, don't know how it works. Well, they do know how it works. And they know that the law applies to everybody, black, white, rich, poor, orange. You know, we have a tremendous group of people in this country, and I'm not just talking about Republicans. We have them on both sides, and we have a lot of them. And this is something else you do. You try and change the timeline of history, to, just to adjust things so that you are in a slightly better light. It's not a witch hunt. You know, you, you broke the law. You tried to overturn the election, for goodness sake. It's not like you, you, you know, tried to pay for some cigarettes like with a, a fake $20 bill. Case in point, this is the greatest crime in American political and legal history. It is the most serious crime Put him down like of attempting to overturn a legitimate election mm -hmm. and to try and convince half the country that the election was stolen when it wasn't. You just lost. That's all that happened. And if you'd have accepted your loss and conceded and allowed the peaceful transfer of power to take place, you could have run again this year, and maybe, who knows, you could have won. If you had just you let the experts yourself. do their job, and when they watch you would have probably gotten this disgusting elected. situation, uh, would they do it for publicity, would they do fundraisers based on, you know, she, uh, in her case, and they were all bad. It's a disgusting situation, and, you know, they do it for publicity, and... You know, they do like fundraisers. Now, what are you talking about? Nobody cares about this stuff. All people care about is trying to maintain the order and democracy of the constitutional republic that is the United States, which is a democracy, incidentally. You know, the two are not mutually exclusive. And so in order to allow everyone the free vote, we are just trying to maintain the system. And that means that if you run again, you could win or you could lose. And Joe Biden's going to run again, and he could win or he could lose. It's just to normal. Me. He's not trying to rig it so that he wins, which is what you do. And that is why this is so serious. And that is why when you're being interviewed, people glaze over. Because yeah. they know that you're talking garbage. You're just throwing stuff out there in the hope that you convert one more person to this weird MAGA cult of yours where people worship you rather than the country. Because I have four of them now, if you look. I mean, this is not even possible. Four over the next last couple of months. Uh, and frankly, it discredits everything. Frankly, and they're all very similar in the sense that they're, uh, there's no basis for them. We don't have to look. We know you have four indictments. Trust me, this is all anyone's talking about. Even because a former president of the United guilty. States has four indictments for overturning the election, for attempting to steal national secrets. Well, you actually stole them, you took them, and pretended that you'd given them back, and you clearly hadn't. And then you tipped the swimming pool into the room because you wanted to destroy the server. I mean, this is criminal activity. And, and you are doing it in plain sight. It's not even as if you're really good at hiding it. You know, you employ the worst lawyers, terrible people like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell. I mean, these people are not skilled. These people are from a bygone era. These people are also racist and xenophobic and homophobic. And, you know, you might have that in common with them. But, you know, just because they are keen to lie for you doesn't make them good at their jobs. Not that you pay your lawyers anyway. Over the next last couple of months, uh, and frankly, it discredits everything. 
And they were all very similar in the sense that they're... If this is your best defense, that there's four indictments and, you know, they're all different, but they're all the same and there's no basis for them because it's a witch hunt, you're going to lose. You know, I mean, I am all for innocent until proven guilty, but you have given us nothing that suggests that you're innocent. You haven't put forward a single counter argument. You're going to go down. You know, it's just a matter of when. And, you know, if you think that you're going to win the election and then pardon yourself so that all this goes away, it won't. It's not like coronavirus, you know, where you can drink bleach or shine a light inside the body and it just goes away in a few hours. This is serious. It's a witch hunt. It's just a continuation of a witch hunt. They want to silence you. They want to silence you. I'm Anthony Davis. You can hear me every day on the Five Minute Going News podcast on Wednesdays, co-hosting MAGA Uncovered, yeah. and on Sundays on the Weekend Show with Midas Touch. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report. Continue the conversation by following it us on Instagram. Connell Jackass Dump Christopher Press Trump for prison. Trump is, okay, these are other people's comments. Trump reflects about himself out loud. He lacks empathy. Yeah, for sure. Excellent reporting, Anthony, calling out Trump's lies. Trump, they want to silence me. He says 10 times a day on every variety of public media. I would like Trump to speak as often as loudly as he likes from his prison cell. As permitted by the warden. <laughs> this is the most dangerous person in the entire country and the fucking planet. In the planet. His most uh, end in. History. Shit. I gotta go dose a dog. Three step for press. Jump for prison. I agree wholeheartedly. Trump is so delusional, it's terrifying. Electing Barack Obama is what really set them off. Disastrous, desperate, very appropriate adjectives to describe Trump's state of mind. Any others? How does Fox News get away with calling itself Fox News? How do they get away? Yeah, also, how do they get away with uh, not being charged as co-conspirators? They were back and forth as much as his kids. This video is awesome. We are all in serious trouble if he ever gets elected again. Anthony, please don't stop calling out his nonsense. If any, if other news people had done this, we wouldn't be in this mess today. Most respect for you. Accountability feels like discrimination when it applies to you in a 45 and your criminal enterprise. You hit the treasonous nail on the big fat head, fat orange head. We've read all four indictments, Don Trump, Trumpioni. In a fair trial, you're a cooked godfather. <laughs> he is raving about nothing, making less sense than he used to. Lunacy. This is from a man that eats, breathes, and sleeps 
fundraising for any and every reason. Hypocrisy at its worst. Lock her up, lock her up. Well, what? Oh, that was Trump demanding Hillary be locked up without trial. I see. Trump's a sad little man. For some, he's, he's a fucking scared puppy. Yeah, he hates that scared puppy. Nah, he hates that Pelosi called him a scared puppy, so let's keep calling him scared puppy. Hashtag scared puppy. Let's wait that scared puppy. <laughs> scared puppy. LOL. Um, scared puppy, Christopher Press. I guess people don't really, I don't think, people don't seem to really understand what Christopher Press. <laughs> what does that stand for? So, that's a lot of people don't know, um, POTUS. President of the United States. Scared puppy. Right. What else is new on Midas Touch tonight? Trump blatantly disturbingly post threats in entire judicial process. Well, anyone with a car at home must watch this video. If you always have snacks and Caitlin, uh, Trump on Truth Social yesterday wrote, quote, they never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those that fought to find the, the riggers, a word that I'm not particularly familiar with, riggers. Uh, Keith Boykin, a, a Democratic political commentator and former White House aide to, to Bill Clinton, he, he took issue with that term. Take a listen. Oh, and he wants to find the riggers, his word, not mine, who stole the election from him. Rigger, please. He, uh, Boykin went on to say Trump's choice of words uh, is not an accident after spending days making racist attacks against Fonnie Willis, the black woman leading the prosecution against him uh, in I Atlanta. Uh, what do you make of that? I mean, it's entirely unsurprising if you've been watching and listening to Donald Trump attack essentially everyone who has criticized him, certainly those who have investigated him. But I think what is different here is that he is pushing the limits of the criminal justice system in the sense of what he is saying yeah. online. His attorneys certainly recognize that. I mean, they argue publicly and in court that he has a First Amendment right, that he is running for office, that what he treatment. says should not be limited. But they also recognize the reality that these are prosecutors and judges that are either overseeing the case or handling the investigation in and of itself, and that this is not... Um, helpful to them. This is problematic. But wiki, Trump is someone wiki, who can't Justice necessarily you know, be told what to do. I mean, his his post yesterday about holding wiki, the, wiki. the major, or two days ago about holding the major press conference at Marla or at Bedminster on Monday talking about how he's finally going to prove election fraud three years later is something that he did almost entirely on his own. It wasn't something that was his coordinated campaign strategy. And so, I mean, he has access to this these Truth Social uh, accounts. He's the one who posts these posts. 
And so the question is, does the judge weigh in here in any of these cases, um, and do they get involved, and does it hurt him potentially, as Judge Chutkin in Washington has warned that it would, whether or not that happens remains to be seen. Alyssa, what do you make of uh, the, the racial ac accusation Keith Boykin uh, was making there, that the, the use of the word rigor uh, is not... Uh, unintentional. Mr. President, uh, Mr. Trump, President Trump has certainly been accused of racist language before. Right. With Trump, you don't need to look for a dog whistle. It's it's a bullhorn uh, when it comes to, to yeah. race. And I, I do think that's deliberate. We've seen the, yeah. I mean, slanderous attacks that he's he's uh, put out against uh, Bonnie Willis, Thank you know, you. alleged things I won't even yes. repeat. So that he's not really hiding of um, death that he's going to lean into that element. And this is, in, you know, taking place just outside Thank of Atlanta. You, when you saw the courtroom, it was a lot of black men and women who were serving in that courtroom. The fact that he's introducing race into this prosecution surprises me. It's disgusting. It's textbook Donald Trump, but it comes as no surprise. Yeah. Caitlin Collins and Alyssa Fair Griffin, thanks to both of you. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Donald Trump is a racist. Donald Trump uses racist phrases and tropes and comes very close to crossing the line in using the N-word against prosecutors, judges, and the like that he tries to attack. It's not a dog whistle, as you heard his former communications director, Alisa Farah, just say on CNN. Alisa. It is a bullhorn. It is used intentionally. You don't use the word riggers, which is not a word. It's a word that he's made up because it's a racist play on words of a word that is... Uh, dangerous, disgusting, and has no place in our American democracy. Yet, this former president, running to be the leader of the free world again, uses it um, without care, without concern. And for those who think it was by accident, him typing out in his social media post, all in caps, the word RIGGERS, which, if you go look it up in a dictionary, I defy you to find it in the way that he used it. And because it rhymed with a word that he knows as a, as a four-year-old, he shouldn't be using a foul-mouthed, disgusting word tied to a, what, the darkest chapter in American history and how we treated another group of human beings. Knowing that not only is Fawny Willis African-American, but Alvin Bragg, the prosecutor of him in the Manhattan James DA's too. office, or the Manhattan D district attorney, is also African-American, as is, well, Tanya Chutkin is Jamaican-American, but you see my point, right? And, and Letitia James, who Donald Trump, just for those that think out there, well, maybe it was just a slip of the fingers <laughs> when he wrote or said the words riggers. You know what he called Letitia James, the New York attorney Wait, general? Yes who's currently going after him in a civil fraud case with his family for $250 million plus. He called her Peekaboo James. Yeah, I'm going to wow. let that land on the what table the for a minute. Peekaboo James. First of all, Peekaboo James doesn't mean anything. Peekaboo is, is a child's game, but as applied to an African-American woman who's, who's prosecuting him, what he's trying to say is a disgusting racial trope and racial slur which is jigaboo, which was used in the 1800s, 1700s, and 1900s and into the 20th century in this country to demean um, black people, right? It is the equivalent of the N-word. So, and he uses it constantly. Whenever he referred to her in social media, he called her 
peekaboo James. He couldn't bring himself to say what he wanted to say, but he wanted everybody to know what he wanted to say, right? Or as somebody so eloquently put it recently, Donald Trump may not be a racist, but racist thinks think that he's racist. With the Fries app, you can always save big on your favorites with personalized coupons and deals, so you can spend less and get more. Think that he's racist. So now he's using the N-word again. Because he makes stuff up. Therefore, he's not actually saying that, but uh, he's appealing quite deliberately. Um, to the worst, the worst uh, sentiment in all of us, worst parts of our character. Fonnie Willis, and ultimately by extension, Tanya Chutkin and Letitia James. He already called Letitia James Jigaboo. He called Alvin Bragg in the past a degenerate, Jigaboo? which is also an sociopath, which is also a code word for the other, the lesser, right? A group of people that are beneath Donald Trump to try to um, uh, undermine them. He's trying to undermine them in the public opinion, but all he's doing is putting... targets on their back for I said he called Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg an animal, which is exactly what Hitler did to dehumanize Jewish people. Rats. Fawdy Willis has already made it Rats. public that before and since Roman. the indictment, which just happened in the last few days, the attacks on her, phone calls, letters to her and her family, using the N-word or the rigor word, as Donald Trump likes to say, has increased a magnitude that's incalculable. Thousands. And what happens when you put crazy people who are racists with um, targets in front of them that are directed by the, the cult leader that they follow? You have violence. We've had... Hurts. Donald's. 
against Mr. Trump. And incarceration. Trista. Praise Trump for prison. Okay. If anything ever happens to any of these prosecutors, because just prosecutors or judges, judges or their family. Because the Justice Department was too cowardly to put him in prison. The Justice Department is responsible for anyone who is hurt, injured, assassinated as a result of Colonel Jackass Dump's presidential... What? Dump. Heard. Um... In this country, assassinations of federal judges. We've had in this country assassinations of prosecutors, state and federal. Right? We've had we've had assassination of judges and lawyers that are part of the legal system, the justice system, and of FBI agents. We just had a report. We'll, we'll have one of our other contributors do a hot take on it today. There's a woman in Texas who's being picked up because she's already threatened to kill the federal judge presiding over Jack Smith's latest indictment. Tanya Chutkin, because of what Donald Trump says and how he activates his sleeper cells of racists and crazies to do his bidding. And so it's not funny. It's not clever. It's not mean tweets. It is um, insensitive, inhumane, disgusting, degrading comments coming out of the words and fingers of the person that wants to occupy the Oval Office. We could spend weeks walking everyone through all of the conduct and activity of Donald Trump that disqualifies him from being in the highest office or any office ever again. Whether it's under the application of the 14th Amendment Article 3 because he participated in an insurrection and a rebellion against the United States as advocated by two right-wing Federalist Society constitutional scholars in a recent paper that they've issued which will be cited by federal judges all the way up to the Supreme Court as the appropriate analysis as to why Donald Trump shouldn't even be running for office because he can never obtain it. But in the interim, in the interim, he continues to use because there seems to be as of yet no repercussion to his uh, bald face racist attacks on judges and prosecutors and attorney generals. He's gotten away with it, so he continues to do it. He thinks it's in the category of, of making fun of or fat shaming uh, Chris Christie or calling, you know, Joe Biden, you know, crooked Next or week, calling uh, back in the day Jeb Bush, the you know, uh, sleeping or, or whatever. Or... Damn you, Justice Department.
I'm tagging them. Justice Department, DOJ. The number pops up. Oh man. Gotta go drug a dog. Department. If anyone gets hurt because you keep giving this motherfucking traitor and terrorist preferential treatment, you'll be held liable. Day one, I fire Merrick Garland. Fire! Fucking incompetent shithead. Sure he's not, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Sure he's a lovely guy, but he's fucking incompetent. Zero charges of the perps. Zero perps. of J6 Fuck all the way off Fatwa Damn you, the Justice Department, 202 504 If anyone gets hurt because you keep giving this motherfucking traitor and terrorist preferential treatment, you will be held liable. Day one, fire Merrick Garland. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he's fucking incompetent. Zero perps of J6. Wait, zero J6 perps. Charged after 2.5 years. Fuck all the way off. Okay, so here's what here's what the other thing says. If anything ever happens, you're still there. You're still there. I guess you are. Hello, darling. Shout out to you. Yeah, yeah. Peace, little buddy. Oh, at the university. Oh, Barrett Stone. Oh.
Okay, if anything ever happens to any of these prosecutors, judges, witnesses, or their family, because the Justice Department was too cowardly to put him in prison, the Justice Department is responsible for anyone who is hurt, injured, assassinated as a result of Connell Jackass Dump. I'm the only presidential candidate calling for additional charges of treason and terrorism against Mr. Trump and his immediate disqualification and incarceration, Christopher Perez, Trump for prison. And here the tweet says, Damn you, the Justice Department, 202-514-2000. If anyone gets hurt because you keep giving this motherfucking traitor and terrorist preferential treatment, you will be held liable. Day one, fire... Day one, I fire Merrick Garland. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he's fucking incompetent. Zero J January 6th perpetrators charged after 2.5 years. Fuck all the way off. Okay, I'm going to tag Tish James. Tish James. Manhattan DA. Alvin Bragg and uh, Bonnie Willis. Can't be tagged. Darn. Okay. N double A C P. I should change their name. Colored people look so fucking fifties. Black excellence. Yikes. Excellence, black excellence. Okay, here we go. Here's a uh, here's a headline for you and me. Jack Smith bulldozed resistance and got the goods one hour ago. I want to buy your house. I can pay you cash. No, I want to buy your, your house, house. No matter what condition it's in. Do yeah. You own it's Michael Popak. The interesting <laughs> thing is not that Twitter was forced by court order and search warrant to turn over all of its data about Donald Trump's Twitter account and its operation. What's really impactful to the criminal case is how that's going to be used and what Twitter did to obstruct justice, and that's the reason they were found in contempt. Let me unpack it all on this hot take. Let's start with the basic facts we learned just recently because everything related to grand jury and, and discovery in criminal cases is generally covered with secrecy. But we learned quite recently that in January and February, Jack Smith's team was fighting with Twitter and their counsel to get, to get into their possession, not just tweets. Everybody's got the tweets that Donald Trump sent, but all the inside information, all the good stuff. The tweets that were never sent, the drafts, the direct <laughs> oh, messages, yeah. the DMs, <laughs> the fleeting tweets, the nice. ones that were around for a short amount of time like Snapchat but then disappeared. 
Who was in control of the account? How many devices were used on the account? How did he log in? Particularly, what was he searching for on Twitter from that account? Because that's how you do searches during relevant time periods in the timeline through the Jan 6th insurrection and beyond. In other words, when Donald Trump, in dereliction of duty, for more than four hours was doing nothing as the Capitol was being attacked, what search terms was he using? Was he on Twitter? Was he trying to see what was going on and how people were reporting it and how he uh, was being treated in Twitter instead of doing his job? These will all go, all of that data. And who, and who actually uses the account? Is it Donald Trump himself? Or is there a sign-on from other devices? And what are those devices? Why is that important? Because in the painstaking fashion that Jack Smith and his team is using to piece together all elements of the crime for which the prosecution has the burden to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, including that all important element of mens rea, criminal mind, criminal intent, what we call willfulness. In order to show willfulness, you pull up things like Twitter accounts, and more importantly, not just things that were in the public record, things we never saw. Drafts. What was he going, what was Trump going to send and when? And why? And to whom? What was the messaging? How did the messaging change for Donald Trump? This all is the way that prosecutors get inside the mind of a criminal defendant and present that to a jury so that they understand. Sometimes it's not the tweet that was sent. It's the tweet that was never sent. It's the search that was done for other people's tweets and reporting at key and critical moments on a timeline presented to a jury that's impactful. Right. And that's what they're trying to get at. And that's why they fought so hard, tooth and nail, hammer and tongue to get from Twitter a a reluctant Twitter, an obstructionist Twitter. We'll talk about that in a minute. And what a federal judge found and did about that when she learned of it. But we know why. And I want to explain it to you here as a practicing trial lawyer, why social media accounts are so important. And why they have whole departments, these social media companies, to respond to subpoenas and search warrants where they should. Because it's not just the content of what we all have seen already, all the mean tweets, some of which have ended up in indictments or in court orders themselves. How many times have we seen, time and time again, from federal judges and state judges reciting tweets by Donald Trump? hanging him on his own words. We just saw it in the new indictment in Georgia by Bonnie Willis and the Fulton County District Attorney. There's at least 13 examples where his social media, his tweets, that's what he was tweeting at the time, are posted and used as overt acts in furtherance of a conspiracy, a criminal conspiracy. So tweets, social media, especially for Donald Trump, really, really important. But vanishing tweets, tweets that nobody got to see for that short amount of time, drafts, changes in drafts, which are all apparently stored by Twitter, attention social media users. You know, you're not off the grid. Uh, social media companies can track all of these things. Um, and, and, and deleted tweets. Why? When? This all goes to mens rea. This all goes to keystrokes done by the person who's the criminal defendant that he'll have to answer to in a court of law as the government presents its case. Now, you understand why it's so important especially who controls the account. 
because if Donald Trump, it's always been rumored that Donald Trump isn't the only one who has access to his account. In other words, some of his oh, aides shit. are doing the tweeting for him. I mean, otherwise, he's completely derelict in his duty because, you know, somebody was tweeting from at real Donald Trump, you know, 24-7 instead of doing his job, which we paid him to do and sent him to the White House to do, which is to be the president. So if you're going to connect Donald ah. Trump to certain tweets and make that a um, factor in criminal conduct, it's good for the government to be able to establish that nobody else was impersonating Donald Trump and had that um, account under his control. And if they're impersonating Donald Trump, maybe they're an unindicted co-conspirator because Donald Trump directed them to do it or with his, it, with his uh, consent posted these tweets. Either way, Donald Trump is going to be, the, 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 the tail is going to be pinned on Donald Trump for anything that emanated from that account. But of course, as methodical prosecutors, they want to eliminate Jack Smith's team, you know, any argument that someone other than Donald Trump did it. Also, linked accounts are important. What other accounts did Donald Trump have that he was using or linked through for um, uh, real Donald Trump? We know about real Donald Trump, but maybe he had four or five phony accounts, shadow accounts, right? Second accounts that he was using to sort of, you know, promote uh, on the algorithm his own tweets. And what was he looking at and when? When he was sitting in the dining room watching Jan 6th burn, watching the Capitol burn, what was he doing? wasn't just sitting there. We know he's always got the phone in his hand, so the government wants to know what he's doing because they're going to put that up on a timeline and blow it up large for a jury in the electronic presentation of evidence. That's the what. Now let's talk about the how. The government went, apparently, to the chief judge of the uh, circuit court at the time, Beryl Howell, to obtain a search warrant. They do that on probable cause, that a crime has been committed and that and that evidence of that crime will be located, in this case, in Twitter's headquarters on its servers. With those affidavits and that testimony, um, the, the uh, chief judge, who's responsible for all the grand juries in Washington, including the one that was investigating Jan 6 or Jack Smith, approves the search warrant. The search warrant, unlike the one that we've seen on television or at Mar-a-Lago, where somebody knocks on the door, FBI, and they execute the search warrant, there's another softer way to execute the search warrant, and that is by giving the other side, the third party, um, notice, serve it with them, but also along with it, in special cases like this one, give them a non-disclosure order from the judge, which is exactly what it sounds like. Don't tell anybody that by the fact that we gave you the search warrant. Don't tell the, the account holder, Donald Trump, and the grounds for that are listed in the application to the federal judge. If Donald Trump knows in advance, there's a chance he'll destroy evidence. If he knows in advance, there's a chance that he'll obstruct justice. There's a, a chance that he'll try to interfere with the investigation and interfere with witness testimony. And a last one, he's a potential flight risk. And all that in one big package got presented to the judge and she approved the non-disclosure order. Now, Twitter is served not only with a search warrant, but they're served with a gag order. Don't say a word to anybody. And if they can't live by that, then you'll get the FBI you know, with a, with a door opener <laughs> coming through the front door and grabbing the servers. But we'll give you the benefit of the doubt for now, but they had every right to be doubtful of Twitter's conduct and behavior because right about, right about this time is when Elon Musk bought Twitter and was trying to curry favor, obviously, with Donald Trump, replatform him, put him back on the platform, welcome him back with open arms. This is around the time that the search warrant is being issued. And then days, weeks go by, and there's no search warrant compliance. 
So the government runs back to the federal judge and says, we got a problem, contempt. They're in contempt of your search warrant because they missed all their deadlines and we don't like the level of cooperation or lack of cooperation that we're getting with the other side, judge. Let's have a hearing. And the judge says, I agree, and called in a hearing. And now we have that transcript of the hearing. Yeah, Just came yeah. out yesterday, unsealed, 300 pages, and we know what happened. What happened is a very upset and annoyed Chief Judge Beryl Howell lashed into and laid into the lawyers for Twitter. Um, and every time they gave some sort of cookie-cutter, cookbook response, the judges got more angry. At one point, when the male lawyer for Twitter didn't seem to know the answers quickly enough to respond to the judge about the status of discovery and, and production, and kept turning to a female attorney in the room. That is a classic mansplaining, right? The judge interrupted and said, why isn't she up here talking to me? She seems to have all the answers. I mean, I, I got to yeah. tell you, I've been on the receiving end sometimes of a judge being annoyed with a case. It's not, it's not a fun place to be, and you want to get out of there as quickly as possible. It's like, you know, a Snickers moment. And they were having a Snickers moment for Twitter because they were fighting back and saying, we have a First Amendment right to tell, basically, Donald Trump about the search warrant. And the judge was, wasn't having any of it because she already determined that he was not going to get that in advance. It looks like, however, they tipped off Donald Trump, despite the fact that the former president keeps telling people now that this was a search warrant he had no knowledge of. It looks like he did at or around the time. She, Judge Beryl Howell, was not happy about that and fined them, found them in contempt and fined them $350,000 and running until they complied, told them how to comply and how to give that last gasp of evidence over to the government as quickly as possible. But she also commented, not once but twice at two separate hearings, that she has a reasonable belief that the reason, right, the rationale, what's motivating Twitter dragging their feet and obstructing producing documents in response to a federal order, federal court order. Her suspicion, and she said it out loud, is that Elon Musk was trying to curry favor and pucker up to the backside of Donald Trump <laughs> because he was trying to get him back on the platform, right? Because he wanted to, like, he wanted all those people back. And she pointed out a number of times, well, when foreign powers, you know, and other people say things on the platform, you have no problem deplatforming them. You have no problem complying with other subpoenas and search warrants. Why not the one for Donald Trump? Why is that different? Is it because you're trying to cozy up to him and curry favor with him? Is that what Mr. Musk is doing since his acquisition? Federal judge said that. Now, this is the same federal judge, just to kind of square the circle here, who already determined in another matter involving Mar-a-Lago and, and Trump's lawyer, M. Evan Corcoran, that it was more likely than not that Donald Trump and Evan Corcoran participated in a crime or fraud related to the Mar-a-Lago documents. Same judge, Judge Beryl Howell. And based on that, she stripped Donald Trump of his attorney-client privilege and forced Evan Corcoran to not, over, not only testify naked without any privilege about Mar-a-Lago events, which led to the indictment of Donald Trump, but also forced him to turn over his attorney file and all of his notes and recordings. He had a recording where he was musing about conversations he had with Donald Trump. He's going to be a lead witness because of Judge Beryl Howell. She has a vast experience in all things Jan 6. She's, had, she's presided over two dozen or more Jan 6 insurrectionist cases and sentencings, and she's the, the judge that oversees the civil case involving Rudy Giuliani, who's about to go down in flames, 
being sued by uh, two Fulton County, Georgia election workers for defamation, which they're going to win against Rudy Giuliani, um, Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. And she's presiding over that and has already issued scathing orders against Rudy Giuliani and about Jan 6 and by implication Donald Trump's role in it. So what am I trying to say? Federal judges don't play, and Beryl Howell specifically is not playing when it, when it relates to Donald Trump and the criminal investigation and now prosecution of him for the attempted overthrow of our democracy. That's Twitter in a nutshell. You make your own decisions based on the facts that I just gave you in my analysis as being a 32-year practicing trial lawyer in cases and in courtrooms just like this one. I do my work right here on the Midas Touch Network on YouTube. You can catch me on hot takes just like this one. You like hot takes? You're going to love our, our podcast. It's on Wednesdays and Saturdays at the intersection of U.S. law and politics. We do it just like I did now, but we do it over five or six major topics that are in real... And Twitter tipped off. Diaper Donalds. Uh, Diaper Donalds. Tis. His tweet. His Twitter account, no, subpoenaed. Painted, not submitted. Subpoena under penalty. That's what that means in Latin. Topics that are in real what time else? cutting edge. Oh man, I'm caught up. That's all the most recent stuff on Midas Touch YouTube channel. So sad. Trump surrogates have total meltdown on live TV. You know what happens inside Trying your body to when you defend eat fast food? Him. New research suggests that most people have up to eight undigested yeah, meals. Yeah, well, fuck them. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump has the worst surrogates spewing the most deranged purported defenses, I guess further incriminating him. This is just some really weird stuff. And when I always talk about MAGA, I always say MAGA equals 
fascism plus idiocracy, and the idiocracy is strong here. I want to show you, following Donald Trump's indictment in Fulton County by the Fulton County Grand Jury, here is what Trump's surrogates, here's what the MAGA Republicans were out there saying. Exhibit A, Janine Pirro on Fox, and she's trying to say, look, Donald Trump just said that he was trying to find the votes. He was in a quest for the votes just to say you're finding them and you're searching for them. It's like a treasure hunt. And then she goes, it's not like he threatened the secretary. Oh, wait a minute. He did threaten the Republican Secretary of State of Georgia. Watch Janine Pirro just utter a bunch of total nonsense and make a total fool of herself on Fox, which she does basically every single day. Play this clip. The issue is not whether he wanted to overthrow it, but did he believe that he won? If he believed that he won, pursuing all these avenues are okay for him because in themselves they are not illegal. If you say, look, I need to find 11,000 votes, that's very different from saying, I need you to find me 11,000 votes somewhere. 11, he just knows he's behind by 11,700 votes. And votes. finally, uh, did he know he lost and did he then pursue all these avenues or did he believe he won and was doing everything he can? It's going to be very hard to prove that. Okay, exhibit B for Bob. Here is Christina Bob, Donald Trump's lawyer, custodian of records. She also... Maybe she moonlights as Trump's lawyers and she serves as a television host for a right-wing broadcast network and she follows around the Trump rallies and interviews all of the MAGA Republican people who are waiting on the lines. But here, here Christina Bob is and she's saying that she is not uh, impressed with the charges. And she thinks that, by the way, it's all projection and confession. And she goes, I don't think this would even pass a first-year criminal law school exam. I think you're referring to yourself here, but this is the defense by Christina Bob Play. Uh, Christina, I know you've worked with the former president quite a bit. Um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts about where it stands right now. Well, the president's doing very, very well. Uh, these types of incidents, you know, this is the fourth time it's happened now, and it only serves to harden his resolve to make sure that he makes America great again and we return the power of the American government back to the American people. Uh, as far as the charges go, uh, I'm not particularly impressed with them. I don't think this would pass on a first-year criminal law exam as a, an appropriate indictment. Uh, there's several questions, not just constitutional questions as far as freedom of speech, criminalizing tweets and criminalizing uh, political opposition, but she's effectively gone after her political opponents all the way through the Georgia Republican Party chairman. I mean, this is, this is an attack on conservative views and on conservative politics, and it doesn't have anything to do with racketeering, which is what she brought. And in this next clip, Christina Bob thinks that Donald Trump should have presidential immunity right now for trying to overthrow our democracy. Christina, Bob, you may want to go back to those first-year law classes, specifically constitutional law, and, I don't know, re read the Constitution again, okay? Play the clip. You think they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks, and is this abuse of the justice system? 
This is absolutely abuse of the justice system. This is the wrong jurisdiction. It's the wrong venue. It doesn't address presidential and executive privilege, presidential immunity. It doesn't address the fact that this violates the First Amendment freedom of speech, political speech, political dissent. They've criminalized political opposition. Then we go to Donald Trump's other lawyer or spokesperson, Alina Haba. Here she is, and she's asked by uh, Ducey on Fox, she's asked, so do you believe that this indictment out of Fulton County, uh, by the Fulton County Grand Jury, do you believe that it poses a perilous threat? And she goes, no. And Ducey's like, why? And she's like, well, I have super secret information, but I cannot share it with you because of ethical reasons, really ethical reasons. Alina Haba, you were just sanctioned a, close to a million dollars by a federal court in the Southern District of Florida for filing a totally frivolous and deranged lawsuit. Uh, you're probably one of the, the least, in my opinion, one of the least ethical lawyers out there. Um, probably one of the worst lawyers in the United States of America. Most dangerous, too. Uh, here, play this clip of Donald Trump's other surrogate, Alina Haba. Play this clip. Uh, now, I, I've heard from a lot of uh, legal analysts, and they say what is different about this case than the federal cases is Georgia has uh, laws that are specifically tailored to election interference and things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Andy McCarthy, a Fox News contributor, and also uh, he wrote an op-ed in the New York Post, he said that uh, the Georgia indictment is the most perilous threat to former President Trump. Mm -hmm. Does President Trump know that this is a perilous threat? We do not agree that it is a perilous threat because we actually have inside information. So I love when people, what, what you know, inside information? well, the inside information, Steve, and, and you know, you used to love Trump, but they, I got to tell you, I, I mean, this is something I'm not going to breach, right? I have confidentiality and I have ethics and, so and I'm going to continue. But I think you need to understand something. When somebody is given a report and he has reports that show that there was interference. And you could be advised by one lawyer that says, oh, I don't think so, and you could have another lawyer that says, no, I do think so. And here's some reports. And we know that there were issues in Fulton County, we, right? We know. It's not a question. There was election issues. And the integrity of our election is in question at this very moment. Um, and when he says, I want to look into it, I don't trust it, we need to look into it, that's his obligation as a president, okay? And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Fume. Cold turkey, it may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor. Even fun. Fume has so Carol, where Donald Trump was too scared to even show up to his own trial. Nah. Play this clip of Marjorie Tim. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene, or as Michael Cohen refers to her as Marjorie Toilet Greene. Cohen says on political beatdown. Here, Marjorie beat Taylor Greene says that Bonnie Willis should really be focused on going after rapists, not Donald Trump. Oh, wait a minute. Federal court in the Southern District of New York found Donald Trump to be one, as did a jury of Donald Trump's peers in a case filed by E. Jean Carroll, yeah. where Donald Trump was too Suck scared that, to even show up to his own trial. Play this clip convicted of rapist. Marjorie Taylor Whether Green. Or not I think that the DAs all that. seem to share an ideology here politically. I mean, you've got...
They're a little pure. That's a good way to describe them. Pure. Whether Okay, I'll put in an ad sign just in case, you know, flag it or try to, Trump humpers try to report me to get my shit shut down. Trista for Prez. Trista for Prez. Trump for prison. Uh, Willis's family was made up of Marxist Black Panthers. Uh, you, you've got Alvin Bragg, obviously, uh, buys into the same kind of ideology, the way that he's uh, destroying this city. He doesn't want to throw anybody in prison for, for committing crime. Uh, they all share this really just devastating ideology that is so devastating for this country. Uh, they unite around that, and, and then they try and take down somebody that's somebody like this, somebody like former President Trump. It kind of makes sense. That's right, Rob, and people everywhere are terrified of this government. Uh, this is something that we expect in third world countries, that we expect in communist regimes. But this is what we're seeing in America today. You know, Rob, I live in a rural district. This is where people really want a $1.75 gas back. They do not like the Biden policies. A lot of people on fixed incomes, like senior citizens, uh, single moms, just good working people are going month to month with their paychecks and maxing out their credit cards with high inflation, high grocery bills, high electricity bills, and high gas bills. But they're watching the Biden regime actually try to arrest President Trump, lock him up in jail for the rest of his life, which is a death sentence, and then go after his supporters across the state. It's, it's something that um, it, it's still shocking. I can't even believe it happened yesterday. Yeah. But I want to tell you something about Atlanta, Rob, and it's really important for people to know. Atlanta has some of the highest crime in the country. Yeah. Murder, rape, carjacking. And the state of Georgia is one of the worst states in the country for child sex trafficking. GEMA last week um, with Homeland actually told me that every single month in the state of Georgia, every month, men will buy a child for sex on average 7,200 times. Bonnie Willis should be going after child sex predators and traffickers. Bonnie Willis should be going after murderers, rapists, uh, car thefts. But that's not... Bonnie Willis, uh, no, she's not. That's and not she politically be beneficial. There's, there's no political... It's also just very sad to see what's happened to Nancy Mace, MAGA Republican from South Carolina, who kind of billed herself originally as a centrist, but is total MAGA cult member right now. It's really sad to see what's happened to her. Remember, she was the one who went in front of Trump Tower and was like, Mr. Trump, I love you. Please endorse me. Then Trump, like, mocked her at a rally and, and said all of these horrible and nasty things about her. Um, but here she is supporting the cult, and here she says that the American people are really angry about this because, as Nancy May says, it, it's not illegal to send text messages. Like, what are they talking This case isn't about text messages. Donald Trump tried to overthrow our democracy. We all saw what happened on January 6th. We've heard Donald Trump's threats. We know about the fake elector scheme. We know about how there were efforts to uh, steal election data in Georgia that Donald Trump led. We, we know about these things. Stop the gaslighting and stop invoking 
the American people. You don't you don't speak for the American people, Nancy Mace. MAGA Republicans, y'all don't speak for the American people. But watch this heinous defense by Nancy uh, Mace. Good to see you, Neil. What do you make of what the former president is promising next Monday to prove, presumably, to exonerate him once and for all and proof of the 2020 Georgia uh, was right? Well, we'll have to see what, what he comes up with next week. But I, I want to tell you, Neil, you know, you know this. We've talked about this extensively. The former president primaried me last year because of my comments about January 6th. I feel like I've got a seat at the table and call the balls and strikes here. I have to tell you, just in the initial reports of these indictments in Georgia, um, you know, I think the American people should be angry about this. It, it's not illegal to text people or to take legal advice, no matter how awful we might think your attorneys are. I'm not really sure what she was thinking. And Fannie Willis is fundraising off the case this week. Uh, really waters down any accusations or allegations they have at the former president. When I'm looking at this thing, I'm trying to call the balls and strikes. I can see it right down the middle. Um, but we'll see. I'll look forward to seeing what he says next week. All right, folks, there you have it. The Trump surrogates proving that MAGA equals fascism plus, most significantly, idiocracy. And the idiocracy is strong here. Folks, I just want intelligent people, evidence-based, law and order focused. It's a very bare minimum. It's a minimal threshold. It's something we talk about here all the time on the Midas Touch Network. And... Look, in the Democratic Party, do I agree with them on everything? Uh, I don't. But are they acting like responsible adults, following the evidence and focused on issues that actually matter to the American people? Yeah, they are. MAGA Republicans are living in this weirdo cult Trump bizarro land. Dangerous, dangerous stuff. I'm Ben Micellas from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. Check out our new homepage, MidasTouch.com. We've got a lot of great breaking news there. That's MidasTouch.com. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at MidasTouch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. You don't need no With the Prize app, you can always save big on your favorites app. with personalized coupons and deals, so you can spend less and get more. With the Prize app. It is quite another to actively sabotage his ratings. This week, we expect Donald Trump to skip the debate, which, by the way, is on Fox News. Instead, he will sit down with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. The interview has yet to be confirmed. Earlier this month, top leadership at Fox had dinner with Trump at his Bedminster, Bedminster home, where they were reportedly urging him to participate in the debate. Trump has repeatedly attacked the network on Truth Social over their supposed unfavorable coverage of him. And just last week, Trump's attorney, Alina Habab, appeared on Fox and Friends after Trump was indicted with his indictment in Georgia, a case considered to be the most dangerous one he faces. Check out what happened when host Steve Ducey pressed on the nature of the case. Does President Trump 
know that this is a perilous threat? We do not agree that it is a perilous threat because we actually have inside information. So I love when people... What, what you inside know, information? Well, the inside information, Steve, and, and you know, you used to love Trump, but that, I got to tell you. You used to love Trump. Let's unpack that with the president of Media Matters, Angela Corazon. When I saw that that clip, Angela, I was like, I have to talk to you about it. One, because it just there's no subtext. It's all text. It's right there, right? The the fact that they are now feuding. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to call it a feud. There's a little right. bit of tension, um, and Trump is working the reps. He's been through this cycle before. But here's why I'm hesitant to call it a feud. Fox is still a pro-Trump network. Uh, so if you look at the coverage of candidates, uh, so far this summer, Trump is leading it. They've given 22 hours of total coverage to the candidates so far, live coverage or interviews. Trump has gotten four and a half of those hours. So he's getting about 25 percent, 20 percent. Um, leading any other candidate by far. And this is part of the, the sort of the back and forth that Trump has had. We saw this in 16, again in 20. What happens is this Fox sort of tries to move themselves to a position where they can exert their and execute their own agenda. Trump then attacks them by harnessing the Fox News audience, because he's obviously captivated that part of it. Uh, and then Fox then moves in order to respond to these attacks and these threats. This is how we got into that whole quagmire and the, you know, the insurrection with Dominion and all the election lies. Um, you know, Fox didn't tell the line for a couple of days until Trump pulled them along by sort of harnessing the Fox audience. And that's what you're seeing play out here. So I think I, when I look beyond this, when I look around the bend, uh, every single time this has come up, there's been one of these flashpoints or tension moments. Trump has won this tug of war with Fox News and the rest of the right wing media and pulled them along. And the consequences have been bad for all of us and our democracy. Well, that's where I want to go with this, right? Because I don't actually care about what they are or are doing right. as it relates yeah. to the ratings. The, the point is, in a thriving democracy, you have a multi-party system in which the party, political parties are robust. You have multiple media entities that are standalone and robust. The fact that he is calling the shots is, is part of what we need to get into. Yeah, it's a re it is extremely significant because this moment is unlike any moment that we've had in more than a quarter century. So 2022 was the first election in a quarter century where Rush Limbaugh was not the single largest get out the vote operation in the country. Um, and when you think about political power on the right, the Republican Party, it's one and the same with their right wing media apparatus, their echo chamber. Um, and Limbaugh and Fox sort of served as the, as the conductor for that echo chamber for, for almost a quarter century. Uh, and then Rush Limbaugh died and there was sort of this turmoil. And Tucker started to step into that void and sort of fill that that, uh, that role, become that center of gravity. He's no longer at Fox, so he's lost that perch. There is no center of gravity within the right-wing media right now. And so whoever functions as that sort of assignment editor, that sort of fills that center of gravity, doesn't just get amplification. They get an enormous amount of political power. More That is where all the right-wing political power comes from. That's how Trump got into office. He harnessed the power of the right. Uh, but now he's sort of eliminating the middle ground, the middlemen, and he's trying to grab the reins for himself. So that's what's actually unfolding right now. So your point is, is really important, is that, that uh, what we're seeing is not just a fight, sort of these internal fights about ratings or business. It's actually about who's going to control the levers of political power on the right, uh, and by extension, uh, you know, all, all the consequences that come with that. And right now, it looks like Trump is about to grab the reins. Angela Carson, I always appreciate that you watch so that we don't have to. Thank you so much for your time and for being with us. Still ahead, debating is both an art and a house and the first Republican debate. While it appears Donald Trump has made up his mind to skip the first GOP debate, two prominent voices within the party, well, they are urging him to reconsider. 
Here's how RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel and the former Vice President Mike Pence addressed Trump's debate snub just this morning. Well, I'm still holding out hope that President Trump will come. I think it's so important that the American people hear from all the candidates. I served alongside the president for a long time, and uh, one thing I realized about him is not over till it's over. So, right. so I'm actually still hoping he shows up. Yeah, you heard that right. GOP leaders still holding out hope that a candidate who now faces 91 felony charges could show up to Wednesday's debate. While Trump may not be on stage, Trumpism certainly will. Several candidates reportedly plan to defend the former president on stage. This morning on the press, Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz explained how Democrats plan to counter the GOP in the months to come. Look, at the end of the day, Democrats understand if you want to have reproductive freedoms, if you want to move towards a climate change agenda that actually works, if you want decency in the White House, you've got one choice, and that's to vote for Joe Biden. The fact of the matter is this isn't about Joe Biden's age. This is about the democracy. And they'll, as we get closer to the election, they'll see that. I'm telling you, after Wednesday and whatever transpires, the craziness on that stage, people start to understand. Hey there. Welcome back. <coughs> took a little nap and uh, we've been listening to Forbidden Knowledge. We did uh, Alpha Omega lecture. It was great. Oh, the weekend show's live right now. Trump can't escape nightmare year ahead and prosecutors love it. A weekend show. <laughs> I noticed the weekend show gets a uh, pretty good following. More than, more than usual. I need you by my side from the very start. Whatever you're That's able to do, even if it's just a substitute, you'll have it. He sounds drunk. He looks kind of drunk, too. <laughs> if you make a donation, it's kind of common to me. Sounds weird. Desperate. <laughs> God, I hate. I, that's what I hate about being a politician. I definitely don't want to. I don't want to ask people for money. I should not ask people for money. It should have nothing to do with fucking money. I'll show you what I personally use. It's really inexpensive oh and it gives me results like this. If you follow me on here, you know how Shut much I love brownies. The GOP nominee. I wish this wasn't so exciting, you know? Like, I wish it wasn't so dramatic and that the stakes weren't so high. You know, I, I wish a lot of things because, you know, I really want justice to be done. I don't want a fascist running the United States. But the problem is, you know, they use these dirty tricks. The people that are around Trump, they use these dirty tricks to manipulate the situation time and time again. And we're starting to see it now with the manipulation of, of witnesses, witness intimidation. We're also seeing it with now in, in Georgia. Apparently, they're now trying to expose the names of the, of the jury. And, and even their, their addresses and their social media, trying to publicize this stuff. Because the MAGA Republicans and the GOP arguably do not play by the rules, how do you convict Trump in a, in a rule-based system when the rules are being undermined by him and everybody around him just to kind of blow the whole thing up? It, it's not going to be possible. I mean, he is going to keep saying that it's a witch hunt, and this is political persecution and it's election interference. And people will buy that. I mean, this election interference, as he calls it, trying to stop your opponent from running by prosecuting them. <clears throat> okay, we're going to pull up. It actually looks like that. 
It's Sunday, August 20, 2023. I'm Anthony Davis. Welcome to The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. You can support my work and independent journalism at patreon.com slash five-minute news. Our guest today is an attorney and legal analyst who produces her own content for the Midas Touch Network. Dina Sayag. Dina Sayag Doll, welcome to The Weekend Show. Sayag Doll. So, um... She's neat. You're going to have your work cut out the next uh, year leading up to this election. There'll be no shortage of analysis. And it's very interesting to me because in Europe, where I'm from, we don't, or certainly in UK news, we don't really have kind of legal analysts or news anchors who are lawyers. In fact, you never really see or hear from lawyers at all. You know, people don't litigate against each other. It's just, you know, life kind of goes on without that stuff. And so I'm kind of really fascinated about how lawyers can give advice on TV without giving advice to Donald Trump's lawyers on how to circumnavigate the law. So just quickly, before we get into the meat of his indictments, do you think it's healthy that we have such a kind of litigious society here in the US? And does it kind of benefit criminal justice when you've got Trump's lawyers going on TV asking for advice? I would say yes, as a lawyer, <laughs> of course. Um, you know, I don't know. On the one hand, it, it fits with our kind of American spirit, right? Like, everybody has the right to do anything they want, and that includes do their neighbor, right? Whether or not um, it's justified or not. I mean, on the one hand, um, you know, you see when you travel kind of like product liability litigation i think people probably would be grateful for in the u.s uh, companies are so nervous about undertaking certain actions because they know they're going to get sued if they don't do it safely so right. yes we're litigious but you know it, i think there is a benefit to it and in terms of kind of the news and the legal anchors i think it's great i mean i'm actually a journalism major under, before I went to law school. So I always believe like communication is key. And I think the lawyer's role as a legal analyst, or at least how I uh, fill that role, is breaking down the law in a way for people to understand. Because I don't think the law should ever be like unreachable, so complicated that the lay person doesn't get it. Because the law is truly for all of us. Otherwise, what's the point of it? And if you have somebody who's kind of trying to you know, make it seem more difficult because it benefits their client, let's say, you know, that's, I think, a bunch of baloney. Like, the law is always understandable, and it's as my role as a legal analyst, I could break it down in a way for that person to then understand it and communicate it to the person next to them, then yeah. I've done my job, and I think that that kind of goes into the American spirit, hey, we should all understand these laws that we're governed by. Certainly very helpful. Do you get frustrated, as I do, that all the way up to the Supreme Court, the law is political? Because again, compared to Europe and certainly the UK, this is not <clears> something <throat> that we have to contend with. Uh, just a second. Dina. Okay. 
So how can there ever be justice, whether it be for Donald Trump or anybody else, if your Supreme Court judges and judges all the way down have their political stripes worn on the outside and are appointed by politicians? You know, I think this is actually a modern phenomenon. You know, it was just under Obama that they kind of undid the um, filibuster for the appointment of judges. And before that, they needed two-thirds to confirm justices. And we know Justice Ginsburg got almost 100% of the Senate to confirm her at that time. So you had much more kind of... Um, Judges that were willing to kind of throw the book for public Democrats because they had to be the public Democrats for public Since that's gone away, I think we have had, um, you know, both parties who really to appoint judges kind of more in their own ideological framework because they were able to do that. And I don't think we're going to see the consequences to that for the next, you know, 20 or 30 years really see the impact because we've had so many judges who are in place prior administrations who are still kind of um, narrowing out justice and so how that's going to become it will be interesting to say we also see that the black judges on the bench they tend to um, kind of take off that political strike and see the cases before them with the experience because, you know, especially for federal judges, they can't be removed. Uh, they know that, and I think they, they get, I don't want to say better, but they do. They get better, I think, with experience. But it will be interesting to see in the next few decades, um, have we kind of, like, destroyed the justice system to such an extent by allowing just a simple majority to confirm these judges. Last week on the show, we had Umair uh, Hack, who's an economist and one of the, the world's great thinkers, and, and he said that it's impossible, or would be impossible, to prosecute Donald Trump within the normal justice system, you know, the, the kind of civilian justice system that is designed for regular citizens. And in the same way that, you know, a special counsel has been appointed to investigate, why is there not a special judicial setup? to actually prosecute him, because, as we're seeing, he does not fit within the traditional confines of the American justice system, which is why, in my view, he is going to get away with all of these crimes. Now, it's interesting, because I almost think the opposite. Like, I am so grateful he's finally in the regular, old-fashioned justice system. And we see, like, in the judge out of D.C., she's saying she's going to treat him like everybody else. And to me, it's, like, about time. Because yeah. he was able to just, you know, walk over the whole congressional, you know, the impeachments and the investigations because it was all politics. And the justice system is different. We have very clear rules about how a defendant is treated. Very clear. Lots of constitutional opinions on it. And there's really not a lot of wiggle room in the justice system for him. It is going to come down to the 12 jurors in each of the cases, you know, if it gets that far, just like everybody else. And to me, yeah. as a lawyer, um, as a citizen, I'm just like, finally, I'm so glad he's going to get treated like everybody else. Why don't you talk about the indictments? There's, there's four now. Just kind of list those, those four, and we'll take them piece by piece. 
because I think people forget, like, there's so many charges that we now forget <laughs> the first lot that came through several months ago. So many. I mean, we had the Ellen Bragg one in New York, which is the falsification of a business document. And that one is interesting. Uh, it's definitely the most, I guess, minor of them, for sure. Both the this is the Stormy Daniels one. Yeah, the Stormy Daniels one. And this is the one that Michael Cohen kind of went to jail for. His was federal, and the federal decided not to prosecute, and so Manhattan DA did. And I think that's a little bit uh, of a failing because it would have made more sense, I think, and so that because it would have been kind of like the second half, let's say, of um, Michael Cohen's prosecution. So, you know, he has, the DA there has kind of a harder job, let's say, of, of prosecuting that same conduct, and he found a kind of a fit for it in the um, falsification of the business document. So, you know, we know John Edwards. You know, um, when he ran for president, he was prosecuted afterwards for failing to disclose, you know, payments to his mistress because of our, you know, campaign violation. And I wish that they could have done that charge. They didn't. His this is his um, way of trying um, to make that same kind of charge stick. To me, even though I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just falsification, you know, it's definitely the lesser of all charges. To, to ensure our democracy is fair, I think a charge to ensure that he, somebody in their campaign, you know, isn't falsifying documents in order to not report something, I think it's serious enough that it was the right thing to bring that the Republicans are saying it was just an administrative error. Right? So they're trying to play it down and make out that, you know, this is just, you know, it's hardly a crime because it's a serious white collar crime, effectively. The second indictment came as a bit of a surprise to even Donald Trump, didn't it? Yeah, we were talking about a classified document, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, um, Although it shouldn't have, I mean, he certainly, now that we've seen all the evidence, had plenty of warning that uh, they, you know, the FBI and Smith was serious about getting those documents back, and he went through quite a bit of uh, trouble to try to make sure he didn't get those back. So at the time, though, that raid, I think, did kind of catch us all a little bit by surprise, because we didn't know if Search, shouldn't we? we? Should call it a, a, a warranted search yeah. because yeah. raid was the phrase that Donald Trump gave it. Of course, claimed it was a raid. It was raided in the middle of the night, and it was a search with a warrant uh, that had been signed by a judge, and his lawyers were present. So there was nothing really out of the ordinary with that kind of a, a search. No, absolutely not. I mean, it was a legal. You could say it's a legal raid or you know warrant search. Exactly. It was yeah. definitely by the book. And then um, we're here, we're starting to hear more information about the, the stolen documents stuff, the, the emptying out the swimming pool into the server room to try and hide evidence. I mean, it's that stuff. When that comes out, it's going to be very interesting for people, isn't it? Because you know, when you when you're trying to you know, conspire in this way, you're, that is like real criminality. And I suppose that's the difference between the first and the second indictment. Is that you know, yeah, okay, the first one might be administrative, paying off a porn star so that it doesn't affect your 
campaign, but the second one, dipping the pool into the server room. I mean, now we're starting to get into the realm of someone who is very consciously, you know, trying to hide evidence from from the law. Absolutely. I mean, once we get into the Jack Smith indictments in general, you just see they have so much evidence that's going to play very badly in front of a jury. I mean, the amount of evidence that Donald Trump himself just kind of willingly gives out, right? The tape, tape of him I'm talking about it to the reporter or these classified documents he has. Um, his, you know, his request to his lawyer to kind of get rid of the documents and the lawyer, instead of doing that, um, you know, writes down their conversation and ends up, you know, testifying to the FBI. I mean, and the pictures. So I, I uh, cover a ton of trials. That's kind of what I do as a legal analyst. I cover a ton of trials. And that kind of evidence, I mean, I just, the flashing of those pictures during trial in front of those jurors is going to be very persuasive. Those, that kind of evidence is what you don't want. Uh, you know, he, I know his lawyers are talking a lot about, oh, it's, a lot of his stuff is going to be fake. It's like you said, it's an accident. He didn't know. He was just talking. But when you see that these documents, that people have died to get this information, right. and and the existence of them could still be putting people at risk, and you're putting them in a bathroom just stacked up, and you're not explaining that picture, and you're showing the photo, that's really hard for the Trump team to, I think, go around. And so these are fairly good pieces of evidence that Jack Smith is going to be able to present to the jury that I think it's going to make a hell of a difference in Donald Trump's defense. It's also going to be hard for all of us working in the media and various, you know, both independently and on, you know, cable and everything else to actually communicate this and keep tabs on it simply because it's also building up to an election year, for the electioneering, the rallies, all the stuff that Trump loves to do. But his schedule now is going to be very much, you know, rally court date, rally court date. I mean, they're going to have to do some real manipulation. And, in fact, it was reported on uh, Friday or Thursday, I think, uh, this week, that Trump has, Trump's lawyers have asked to kind of push the court date, which is the Tony Willis investigation, back to after the election, uh, which obviously is a, a bit of a joke. But there is a serious side to it. They're claiming it's because they need to look through all the evidence. And certainly with these cases, these, you know, 18 charges, there are thousands and thousands of hours worth of tape and material to look through, and they'll argue that having a case so soon, i.e. before the election, is going to be impossible to prepare for. I think they're going to have a strong argument with that with the Fonny Willis in particular. They said they had something like 10 million documents that were sent to them. And it's tough because, you know, she took, uh, her investigative grand jury was over a year, right, looking at these documents. And it's going to be hard to then say the defendant should have less time than that to look over the same documents. So it's really tough because I think in a typical, and if, we're, if he's being treated in a typical way, he would, he would get more than six months or nine months to look through 10 million documents. 
putting this after the election, uh, especially if he were to win, is so catastrophic, though, that, you know, you would think the judge is going to take that into consideration, but she can't that much. Again, this is no longer a political realm. This is a criminal realm, and as he has some rights, constitutional rights as a defendant. So I would be surprised if it were going to, I, I could see her pushing this, or that judge, uh, you know, maybe it might be after the election for that Georgia one. But it's, it's the problem, I mean, doesn't this expose the whole, in the, in the argument about using the regular criminal justice system to, to prosecute the former president? Because, you know, there is an election, therefore it should be a special court with special judges and a whole, the whole thing should be, and yeah, it should be televised, and it should be like, you know, the, it should be like the Hague, really, I mean, it should be in the Hague, not that he'd ever, you know, go, go that far, but, so I, I, I just feel like these cases against him, and I'm no lawyer, you know, you're, you're the expert, but I, 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 because there's no precedent for it, because no prosecution of a president's ever happened in this way before, and, and in fact, you know, I think last week I was giving examples of, oh, well, you know, Nicolas Sarkozy in France was imprisoned, and, and, you know, there's been various European leaders. But that is Europe. It is a completely different place than the United States. I can't see any of these charges sticking as long as Trump is delaying and delaying and delaying, because I do think he has a very good chance of winning the election, because the electoral... Um, the, the system of electing a conservative or Republican president is rigged. You know, to, to the Electoral College is rigged to favor conservative candidates. And so there is a very good chance, because you know, Republicans behind the scenes have been gerrymandering and messing around with... That's why we need to get rid of the Electoral College now. That it's a very <coughs> real situation that Donald Trump could win, even though he's not... Call Congress 202-224-3121. Demand they abolish the Electoral College before the elections. Over Spurs. Congress 202-224-3121, abolish the Electoral College now, before the election, so we don't get stuck with another fucking asshole. Another Hitler. So this is my concern. It's kind of I'm trying to sound an alarm and I feel like so nobody is listening. Call Congress two oh two 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 four three one two one. 
call Congress 202 and abolish the Electoral College now before the election so we don't get stuck with another Hitler. Christopher Cries Trump for prison. You know, because we're all so caught up in so many cases and judges and they've all got different charges and I'm like, none of it is going to stick. He's going to push by, he's going to win, he's going to pardon himself. You know, it's funny, I, uh, before, I think, he was first elected right around the time, I would say to everybody I knew, he's going to be the first president to go to jail. <laughs> I think so clear, he was so corrupt even back then. He had his Trump University. <clears throat> the hell? <clears throat> I personally... Behind the scenes have been gerrymandering and messing around with districts and doing everything they can. But it's a very real situation that Donald Trump could win, even though he's not that popular. You know, he didn't win the popular vote, no Republican presidents have won the popular vote. So, this is my concern. It's kind of, I'm trying to sound an alarm, and I feel like nobody is listening. But, you know, because we're all so caught up in so many cases, and judges, and they've all got different charges, and I'm like, none of it is going to stick. He's going to push by, he's going to win, he's going to pardon himself. You know, it's funny. I, uh, before, I think, he was first elected right around the time, I would say to everybody I knew, he's going to be the first president to go to jail. I mean, it was... I think so clear he was so corrupt even back and he had his Trump University. I personally think it is going to stick. One, maybe more than one of these. I think he is going to get convicted. Behind the scenes have been gerrymandering and messing around with I personally yeah. think it is going to stick. One, maybe more than one of these. Okay. <clears throat> I think he is going to get convicted. Yeah. Unless, you know, there's, well, we could talk about that. They don't weed out maybe a Trump supporter and end up with like a mistrial. I think he will get convicted of one of these. And, and maybe more than one. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that I don't see how he wins. I mean, here's the thing about, um, you know, what to do about the fact that if we end up with a president behind bars, I think you <laughs> have to trust to some extent American people. And I know that it's so divisive right Disqualify now. Disqualify him. And there is this really extreme MAGA Republican base. But they're actually quite small. I mean, the MAGA Republican base um, is about, you know, 37% of Republicans. So out of the entire Americans, it's not that big. And the gerrymandering, thankfully, doesn't come into account for a presidential election when you deal with the popular vote and even the Electoral College. Thankfully, that's not going to help 
Trump. And so he didn't win the popular the first time around. He lost everything the last time around. He's lost all his midterm candidates lost. I don't think people want a president who's going to possibly be in trial in 2024. I think people care about, am I going to get food on my table? Can I pay for my health care? Is my neighborhood safe? Period. End of stuff. Most people aren't actually as in tune with all of this stuff. Like you said, there's a lot of noise. I think people are kind of checking out to some extent a lot of this noise. Instead, it's who's going to make my life and my family better. And the more he goes to trial, because some of his trials are going to happen in the spring in the primary overlap. And if people are still wanting to elect him president, knowing how entangled he is with the criminal justice system, well, then maybe that's the president the American people should get. You know, maybe that needs to play out and you need to see what really happens. If you are willing to elect a man president who has all these criminal charges, then it's going to be a mess. And, and, and that's maybe what we signed up for. I don't think that at the end of the day, I'm not actually even convinced he's going to be the nominee. We have a long time. He's going to be fucking disqualified. And I think people are going to lose their stuff. Five one four two thousand. The man, he's disqualified. Everybody called Justice Department two o two. Christopher Press. For prison. For that. I don't think people want the drama. I think people don't want the mess. They really, at the end of the day, just want this country like handled. They don't want to think about that stuff. So we have a while before that first primary. Uh, and like I said, if, if the voters are still willing to vote for him, you know say what? I'm then, the only presidential candidate calling for his disqualification. I'm the only presidential candidate calling for President uh, Trump to be Trump's disqualification. Who uh. is that? Hmm. Court will definitely get involved. I mean, I'm sure you know that there's already litigation in states about whether or not somebody, you know, with an insurrectionist can be on the ballot. This is yeah. going to get uh, much more litigated. You cannot. Time, but like I said, I'm not convinced he's going to be the the, the GOP nominee. Good. He's going to be the nominee. We have a long time before the primaries. And I think people are going to lose their stomach for that. I don't think people want the drama. 
I think people don't want the mess. They really, at the end of the day, just want this country like handled. They don't want to think about that stuff. So we have a while before that first primary. Uh, and like I said, if, if the voters are still willing to vote for him, you know what, then, then this is going to be messy and the Supreme Court will definitely get involved. I mean, I'm sure you know that there's already litigation in states about whether or not somebody, you know, with an insurrectionist can be on the ballot. This is yeah. going to get uh, much more litigated between now and then. but. Like I said, I'm not convinced he's going to be the, the, the GOP nominee. I wish this wasn't so exciting. I wish this wasn't so exciting. You know, like I wish it wasn't so dramatic. Christopher, I'm the only one who's been calling for his disqualification and imprisonment. And okay. Okay, just to stop doing that. You guys still there? Oh my gosh, you are. Hi there, darling. Shout out to KAM. Peace in radio you know, at the I University. I wish a lot of things because you know, I really want justice to be done. I don't want a fascist running the United States. But the problem is, you know, they use these dirty tricks. The people that are around Trump, they use these dirty tricks to manipulate the situation time and time again. And we're starting to see it now with the manipulation of, of witnesses. This intimidation. You're also seeing it with now in, in Georgia. Apparently, they're now trying to expose the names of the, of the jury and, and even their, their addresses and their social media, trying to publicize this stuff. Because the MAGA Republicans and the GOP arguably do not play by the rules, how do you convict Trump in a, in a rule based system? when the rules are being undermined by him and everybody around him, just to kind of blow the whole thing up. It's not going to be possible. I mean, he is going to keep saying that it's a witch hunt and this is political persecution and it's election interference. And people will buy that. I mean, this election interference, as he calls it, trying to stop your opponent from running by prosecuting them, it actually looks like that to people, to the untrained eye. Whereas Cambridge Analytica in 2016 helping to rig the election and, and the Kremlin helping to rig the election through stealth, through Facebook and everything else, is not so obvious. And that's my concern is that people who are not lawyers and not analysts and not journalists, they're looking at the idea like the poor Biden is trying to put him in court. <laughs> I think his supporters will think that because they will think anything. 
Population it used to be 2025. Break up the corporate media monopoly. Four corporations own all the media. of support, exclamation point, for corporations. We must break up the Tell them four corporations own all of our media. Break it up. Okay, I said he created an illusion of supports. We must break up the corporate media monopoly. Call 202-DOJ, 202-514-2000. Four corporations. Four corporations own all of. Oh, I, that person wasn't believable on the stand. But what exactly is hearsay? You know, why is it that they weren't allowed to bring this evidence in, but they were allowed to bring this, that evidence in? People get vested and interested. And I think, because like you said, this is so unprecedented, not televising this trial would truly be the harm to this country. Because if people could just see the evidence, see the witnesses, decide for themselves, frankly. Like not have to decide based on the reporter in the room, tweeting out afterwards what they think was most important. That I think is a disservice. They should have cameras in there. And you know, evidently his lawyers already came out saying they would welcome the cameras. And I actually think they probably would welcome the cameras. You know, I Trump agree. Likes, I think Trump would, he yeah, would welcome the cameras because he, he loves a camera. He loves a camera. Yeah. And he wanted to be a director just like Kim Jong-un. see for themselves. And I think what they would see would be so damning, would be so persuasive that it would speak for itself. 
So I think we should just, to, to your point about this being scary and this should be special, I think that that would be like the perfect check on this whole thing. Make it transparent. Make people see it. Let's hear from Jack Smith himself. And you know what? If he doesn't do a good enough job, people can think that. You know, but then you're at least talking about the facts <clears throat> and not just talking about somebody else's opinion about what happened. Whether or not it's my opinion or whether or not it's Trump's opinion, this topic is way too serious and way too important. Each American should be able to have their own opinion about that trial. He, he's going to talk about the ratings if it does well, isn't it? <laughs> Psychiatric evaluation of Trump. I'm the only presidential candidate calling for a court-ordered um, psychiatric evaluation of Trump. The only presidential candidate calling for Tony Michael is just like open to the public. Trista and um, disqualification and incarceration. Trista Price, Trump for prison. Right. Yeah. And you know and listen, what? You have to take it. Yeah. If your ego is so big that you're going to take pride about the ratings of your criminal trial, uh, yeah. go ahead. I'm. I'd be fine never to have ratings on a criminal trial. Such, such is the life of the narcissist. Exactly. Okay. Listen, we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, but uh, I want to come no, back and talk don't. about the, the chances of him being held. Christopher Perez, I'm the only presidential candidate calling for a court-ordered psychiatric evaluation of Trump. <clears throat> Disqualification and incarceration. That's former Oxford University, psychology tutor. Psychology... I'm the only presidential candidate calling for court-ordered psychiatric evaluation of Trump disqualification and incarceration. Okay. And then I'm posting that to Facebook as well. I call this my media blitzen. Media blitzen. Sweet.
Um, okay. Oh, wow, it's substantive. Oh, it's Patreon. Documents that was leaving the White House. I think that's significant. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in the documents case, not the January 6th case, but the documents case, so I think that's, um, I think that's significant as well. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the new... Uh, Patreon party that we're gonna have. We're gonna do a Patreon karaoke every month. I think we're gonna. Here's here's what I think we're gonna do. So far, this is like uh, you know we, we have to. Set I said, this Yo, bro, can I, I be on your show? And third Sunday of every month, we will have a karaoke party. Now, <laughs> the karaoke and the content will actually be live on Discord and will be live on Twitch. We're not going to do it on YouTube, because when I play karaoke on YouTube, they, they block it and shit. It's weird. Midas Touch Mighty Welcome. Midas Mighty Welcome. You can host live karaoke party on my little eco ranch here in Tucson, Arizona. Cowboy, cowboy, yeehaw. Putting up some plates. And so we're not, because it's a YouTube video that I'm playing. So a lot of times they'll turn it off while it's going. Service is so we're going to stream it on available. Twitch and Discord. So if you want, if you're if you're wanting to watch the karaoke party uh, every single, I think it's going to be every first and third Sunday <laughs> of the month. So be on Twitch and go twitch.tv slash Michaels. Again, that's twitch.tv slash Michaels. You can follow us for free there uh, on the Twitch channel. If you want it to be commercial free, you can tie your Amazon Prime account to it. You can go to d20michaels.com, find the instructions there to do that. And then we'll be streaming to Discord. Discord is getting hot over there. It's where the chat party never stops. It's like a 24-hour fuck'em bam chat over there. And there's so many different channels to talk on and, and subjects to talk about over there. So go to d20michaels.com, scan down, you'll find the Discord link. There, let me put the Discord link in the chat. I don't know if you got those messages, but so yo, bro, can I be in your show? And, uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this karaoke thing. Now, the Patreon members, live? here's what the Patreon members will get. If you're a member of Patreon, you get the opportunity to sign up to be on screen with me during the karaoke. So you like, we did a karaoke party, I think it was back in March. Was that what it was? Back in March? Or April? March or April? We'll, we'll do
I'm figuring this out. Uh, we're going to, if you're a Patreon member, for the, uh, for the, space it there. There you go. There, now it's close to Alright, I think it's in there now. Okay, so, the Discord, or excuse me, the Patreon members for the karaoke. Um, so that so if you're on a Patreon, what you will do is you will get to be on screen. Um, with if you're on Patreon members, you have the opportunity to sign up to do that. Uh, so you'll sign up if you want to be on screen. If you want to ask me a question, if you just want to say something, maybe you want to sing. I don't know. Maybe you want to do kamikaze karaoke. Because that's one thing we're gonna do is kamikaze karaoke, where you guys can send in a request. Uh, you can send in a request on the tip jar, and the tip jar, with the tip jar, you'll be able to make you sing whatever song you want me to sing, no matter how bad I screw it up. <laughs> no matter how bad I screw it up. Uh, so we're going to do that. So, um, chat's broken this bug on YouTube, so it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, YouTube, you know, I'm not a great big fan of YouTube. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, let's see. Oh, I've got a uh, Venmo chat here. You guys can send a Venmo chat. You can go to thetonymichaels.com. The Venmo chat link at the top. I'm just going to direct you guys from now on to thetonymichaels.com. There's so much stuff that I direct you to. Just go to thetonymichaels.com. You can find all the links there. Uh, Catherine says here, let me bring it up here. Catherine says, happy birthday to my daughter-in-law, Haley. Happy 30th birthday, Haley, from, from your mother-in-law, Catherine. So thank you for the uh, the Venmo chat there, Catherine. Appreciate it a lot. If you guys want to do a Venmo chat, again, here's the uh, here's the QR code there on the screen. You can pause it if you want. You can send a Venmo chat, or you can just go to thetonymichaels.com. Again, that's thetonymichaels.com. The Venmo super chat link is right up there at the top. Yeah. All right, let's get down to business. Let's watch. Uh, there's a report on CNN. Um, let's see. I think that's the one I want. Oh, no, actually, you know what? I want to do the J Doug. Some vocals. Said, yo, can I be on your show, bro? Christopher Prez, Trump for prison. You rock, dude. I made some vocals for your show song. We'll send you. Jones interview first. <laughs> um, it looks like uh, Bob Acosta had uh, Doug Jones on. Um, so I want to play that. I've had I've had former Senator Doug Jones on my show before uh, on the podcast, but here's Doug Jones on Mark Meadows. Let's, let's, let's listen. And, I mean, former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, one of the co-defendants in the Georgia case. Uh, he's now requesting that all these state charges against him be dropped. He's actually arguing that his actions are going to be performing the duties required of him as a White House advisor to then President Trump. What do you make of that? I'm going to do this first. 
Uh, Tony, I'm tweeting that. I'm asking Tony Michaels if I can be on his show. <laughs> Hello, Kane. Hillary Live. What happened? Um, did I finish watching? Justin Trump chickens out with new announcement about debates. What does that mean? I will not be doing debates. Okay. Yeah, of course not. He doesn't have to. He would instead do an interview with Tucker Carlson. Now it appears that Trump has ruled out doing any debates in the GOP primaries. he doesn't have to um this is why we must disqualify him this is why he must be the um oh. Doesn't think think he has to answer to the um, to actually answer to the public. Respond to the public. American public as a whole, as a whole, traitor to a, what a traitor, what a betrayal. Old Nazi diaper Don doesn't think he has to actually respond to the American public's concerns. Uh, American public. What a betrayal, Mr. Trump. What a traitor you are to this great nation. As presidential candidates, I call for your immediate disqualification from office. 
from office based on 14th Amendment. And I'm going to tag the Justice Department. The Justice Department. Every fucking day until they do their goddamn job. Civil rights. Fourteenth Amendment, bitch. Old Nazi diaper Don. Don't think he... Don't think he got to respond. He got to respond to... You got two, two response, public, um, to, uh, to us. Fourteenth Amendment. Law and order. <laughs> okay, so said old Nazi diaper Don don't think he gets to respond to us, the American public. What a betrayal, Mr. Trump. What a traitor you are to this great nation. As presidential candidate, I call for your immediate disqualification from office. 14th Amendment, bitch. Bitches. Calls him a bitch. <laughs> Called him fucking PAB. It's fucking pissy ass bitch. It's called Trump a bitch. Let's see, um, that should be on my comedy page. Just for praise. Midas Touch. Midas News. New York Times Politics. It's called Diaper Donna Bitch. Tagging some other political Miami Herald. Okay, gun. Arizona Democrats, Labor, Arizona Politics. Democrats, Occupy Democrats, Texas Tribune. Ah, you. Um, I did it as quickly as possible. Comedy by Tristan DeGeneva. Tristan Percentage. 
Washington Post politics, Post Italia, Post UK, New York Times. It's got thirty thousand likes. Did I do text trivia? No. Okay. Texas Tribune, copy, okay, um, Christopher Price, and we got how many followers? Okay, now I'm going to tag people. Ah, DOJ, from Div, DOJ. E-O-I-R-D-O-J, I wonder what E-O-I-R is, maybe Civil Rights, okay, DNC War Room, they should be aware of this, Justice Democrats, crew, where the fuck is crew, we're gonna get rid of your ass, stinky old diapered on ass, Women's March, Mm, politics, Popak, Washington Post Opinions, uh, NY Times, 